fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try to Wolfpack, what is going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street Journal, rotostreetjournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves here with a fantastic episode. Thrilled to be welcoming on two new writers tonight to discuss mid-round league winners. I'm thrilled to go through this. One of the most important topics that you can cover in fantasy football. Everybody always is focusing on those early rounds. And yes, you do have to nail them, but it's also just as crucial rounds four through seven. You got to get the right guys. You got to plant some upside. Eckler last year, for example. I mean, there's so many league winners that come through here. And we're going to be discussing that again with two new writers um, before that, I just want to make sure we preface this, that you can ask any questions. We're going to go through the topics. Let us know if you agree, disagree, hit them up. We'll throw your comments on. And then at the end, we'll make sure to hit all your questions in the mail bag. Um, be sure to hit all that. And of course, just let us know what you think. It's our first time trying three people at once. So I'm going to do my best to manage it. But thanks again so much for tuning in. Let us know your thoughts, what questions you have. And we're just going to get right into this. Um, we're assuming you've already kind of followed our, our advice and gone running back, running back, maybe even running back early on, hammering the bell cows, which takes us to mostly a wide receiver centric episode. So that's going to be what we focus on. Let's bring in our new guys, though, here welcoming in tailback Tino. Kendall, thank you guys so much for joining. Kendall, how are you doing tonight, man? Doing good, man. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Thrilled to have you guys on here. Yeah, um, what about you, JT, tailback Tino? How are we, man? Yeah, doing well. Excited. Ready to go. Absolutely. Um, so let's kind of jump in here. Um, while I'm pulling up the ADP, we got a question for you guys from Seth Drovek, Drake or Jacobs and Standard. So I'm going to be pulling up the ADP. Why don't you guys tackle that? Tino, what do you think, Drake or Jacobs? I think it's close. Um, I was listening to Andy Holloway today, actually, say that Jacobs is one of the most confident guys he's had in three or four years. He loves Jacobs. Um, mm. Before reading that and seeing that, I would probably lean Drake. I think the upside's a little bit bigger in that offense. I think he's going to have a lot of goal line touches. Um, but I definitely I, – I could see the argument for either. But personally, I'd probably lean Drake. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that too. What about you, Kendall? What, uh, before I give my take, do you have any thoughts on uh, Drake versus Jacobs? Yeah, um, I think I would lean more of Josh Jacobs, mainly just because of the other weapons or lack thereof that he has around him in Oakland. I think he's more likely to be the guy uh, week in and week out, getting 20-plus carries. Um, we've heard the talk about him wanting to get 60 receptions this year. So if the receptions come and the carries go up a little bit, like we assume they will from his rookie year, um, I think he'll end up being the better pick in a standard league. See, intriguing. I'm I'm actually going opposite here. I'm going Drake myself personally. Uh, I mean, the, the Kingsbury offense was just so kind running back. Uh, Barry talking about the seventh most weighted opportunities 
as a whole team, a definite bell cow offense that's going to take another step forward, in my opinion, with Hopkins, an improved line. As long as he maintains that stranglehold, they're talking about using him in space even more. I love Drake's upside. I mean, I have him above even Michael Thomas at this point. I think number wow. six overall. Um, so great first question. We can't yeah. just stop and, and discuss every single one. Hopefully that helps yeah. you out, Seth. We're going to now dive, though, into our feature here. The mid-round league winners will pull up the ADP again um, right here. And one second. There we go. Uh, make sure you guys can see this. Add to stream. And we're going to look through and just discuss – kind of which players you see here. You got A.J. Brown, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, Cooper Cup, Zach Ertz, Taylor, Ridley, Sutton, Connor, Le'Veon Bell, Mark Ingram, Prescott, and Lockett all going in round four. That's our current ADP from fantasypros.com. Let's talk about which guys we're targeting. I'm going to throw it to you to start, Kendall. You are looking at the Rams, and you got one of those guys in mind. Which one? Yeah, so uh, the guy that I have in mind is Robert Woods. Um, I have Robert Woods ranked higher than I have Cooper Cup ranked this season. Um, I would much rather have a guy like Woods over Cup, mainly because of the consistency that you'll be getting. Um, if you follow, um, like Nick referenced before, you followed um, the Rota Street Journal, you know, running back, running back, running back. So if you're looking to get your first wide receiver in the fourth round, Robert Woods is an extremely consistent guy. Uh, the last two seasons, he finished as the wide receiver 11 and the wide receiver 14 um, in PPR formats. So, you know, each year he's going to give you 90-plus uh, catches, well over 100 targets, um, 1,100 yards. Uh, the downfall, though, for Woods this season or last season was touchdowns. Um, he managed to finish as the wide receiver 14, only catching two touchdowns. Um, I took a look at all of the receivers that finished ahead of him. So the receivers one through 13, uh, all of those receivers caught at least six touchdowns. So if Woods would have caught four more touchdowns to get him to that six mark, um, he would have finished as the wide receiver eight on the year. So I think that if we see the increase in Woods touchdowns, um, two is extremely low. Ten, which is what Cooper Cup had, is probably too many for Robert Woods next year. But if you're looking somewhere in the middle, around five or six, I think you get a top 12 receiver, no doubt, as long as he remains healthy through the whole season. Uh, another reason why I'm on Woods over Cup is because for the second half of the season, uh, Cooper Cup saw a large decline in snaps, which then uh, correlated to a large decline in targets. So over the last eight games of last season, uh, Robert Woods saw 79 targets, where Cooper Cup only saw 47 targets. So um, if the Rams are trying to stick to the 12 personnel, which is two tight ends on the field, uh, and keep only one receiver out there with Robert Woods, you're going to see way more snaps and way more targets for Robert Woods than you'll see for Cup, which I think will uh, return good results for you. A hundred percent. I think that that last point you're bringing up there too is huge. The splits towards the end of the season, because it also coincided with them going into a ton more two tight end sets and Woods thrived. Those last seven weeks, he clearly out, uh, outplayed Cooper Cup better against those outside covers, whereas Cup, he's, he's got such great success rate against the slot. We saw Robert would really start to take over, over 19 fantasy points per game down those stretch runs you mentioned, whereas Cup was 12 
it, it seemed to really tilt in their favors, and that's when the offense seemed to take off. So I'm with you. I actually do have Woods higher than Cooper Cup as well, despite Cup finishing as a wide receiver, I think, five in fantasy last year from that yeah. early start. Uh, ultimately, I'm in agreement. I think that's a great call. Um, and, and JT here, he's got a name that is, is not really anything crazy to anybody, A.J. Brown. But, man, like th- there's some serious upside the way this guy finished the year. What are your thoughts on A.J. Brown as a mid-round league winner? Why is he your pick, Tarantino? Yeah, I, I love A.J. Brown this year. Um, typically, to be honest with you, I'd be looking to avoid um, Tennessee receivers, not something that would typically be sought after. Um, and I think the, the big knock on Brown would really be the lack of targets. He only had 84 targets last year, 52 catches. So I think the people that are going against A.J. Brown are very – they're saying that the efficiency is going to come down. He's very game script dependent. Um, and while I do somewhat agree with the game script dependency, I, I don't necessarily think the efficiency is going to come down. And I, I actually do think he's going to end up with more targets. Um, my reasoning for that being um, when he had Mariota on their center, so those first six weeks, he only saw 3.8 targets a game. So which is you're not going to be fa- you know you're not going to be fantasy relevant with 3.8 targets a game. Um, even with his skill and his efficiency. And then once they made the switch over to Tannehill, he went up to 6.1 targets a game for those last 10 weeks of the year. Um, so under with that pace, if you're going with the Tannehill pace, he's at 98 targets on the year, which when you have a beast like A.J. Brown, 98 targets is going to be enough. Um, and then just looking at that, at that Tannehill split of when he had Tannehill, weeks 7 to 17, he was the wide receiver 7. With Tannehill, and if you just take those those really crunch time games that are going to win you playoff games, weeks twelve through seventeen, he was the wide receiver too. Um, just watching the tape on him, he's an absolute monster. Um, first in the NFL in yards after catch, third in the NFL in yards per reception. Um, really, his first year bursting onto the scene, he had over a thousand yards. So I think, and you really see those guys early in their career take that next jump and um, when they're getting those targets and they really establish themselves, that's when they're going to make the jump from a wide receiver two to a, to a low to mid end wide receiver one, which is, I think his ceiling. I think he really can be a top 10 receiver. Um, so I think instead of 84 targets, you're going to see him on the, on the better side of a hundred, maybe a hundred to 105 targets. Um, and if they're not jamming the ball down, people starts with Derrick Henry. He's the next option. He's who they're going to in the red zone. And, um, yeah, I think he's I think he's a guy that he might have a couple dud weeks um just based on game script if they get up early, but the vast majority of the season I would love to take him in round 4. Absolutely. I mean, all those points fantastic. The pace with Ryan Tannehill and insane and I mean, your top 10 receiver already was as you highlighted the wide receiver too. So if those targets do spike and this offense continues to be I mean, it was historically efficient. Let's see if they can actually keep that up. But he's a huge reason they were historically efficient, a genuine special talent. So I'm not disagreeing at all there. My personal pick, Calvin Ridley. Again, none of these names are shocking, but it is such a loaded class. you got to pick which one do you end up going with. I love Calvin Ridley. Just start with the fact that the Falcons lead the league in most vacated volume, 261 targets, uh, 67 more than the next closest Jets, almost 40% of last year's total. Yes, they filled in some gaps with Hayden Hurst and Todd Gurley. 
I still think a nice majority of that is going to be coming Calvin Ridley's way. He dominated last year when Hooper was out of the lineup, uh, just only three games, but was on pace for over 22 and a half fantasy points per game, 360 on the year would have made him the number two receiver in fantasy for those three games was the wide receiver three, eight and 17 over those weeks. So definitely got it done on the increased use when Hooper was out. Hooper's now gone. Who knows if it's going to be that seamless transition. We all like Hayden Hurst, but no guarantee. You got Julio on the third on at 31. I mean, it seems like a Clydesdale still, but if anything does happen, you still have that um, upside. So I love Calvin Ridley. He's my personal pick as the round four upside receiver. Let's check in real quick. We got Anthony DiLorenzo. Can't stick around that, but just wanted to give the stream a share. Much appreciated, my man. Uh, you know, always tuning in. Big fan. So if you have any questions, let us know. Um, we're going to quickly look at if we weren't going wide receiver, you know, who would we go for? And to me, I got to lock in Jonathan Taylor. Uh, it's a no-brainer if he's somehow there in four. In fact, I just wrote an article, and I'll pull up the boys here to see if you guys agree with me. Uh, I wrote an article recently about how Taylor is a round three lock for me, running back, running back. And then that third running back, it does drop off after, you know, whether it's your last guys, Josh Jacobs or Aaron Jones. There's about 14 of them that I consider just like lock. They usually go rounds one and two, um, you know, bell cows. You got to get two of those guys. And then round three comes in. It's like, is it Gurley? Is it Fournette? Is it Melvin Gordon? And I, I for the longest time, liked Melvin Gordon. Uh, but to me, the, the more and more I read about him getting out of shape in camp, and then, you know, Lindsey's playing really well. Now he's got a rib injury. And on the other side of the coin, we got the young stallion, Taylor, just lighting it up, steamrolling people in practice. Coach coming out saying we're going to be a hot hand approach here. Uh, it, I mean, how long is it going to take this guy to get a hot hand when he is a potential generational talent? So I'm all about Jonathan Taylor. If he's in round four, I take him above any of the wide receivers we just talked about. I, in fact, I probably already have him on my team because he's in round three for me. Do you guys think I'm crazy to go after a rookie like that? Or what do, what do you guys think? No. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, no, I mean, tailback Tino, right? So I guess, <laughs> you know, but no, I think, I don't think it's crazy at all. I think, especially for with the team setup that if you're following RSJ, you're going to go with, with the running back, running back, and then typically running back in the third round. But you have, you do have that leeway to wait. You have that leeway to wait three, four weeks, whatever it is to, work through the Marlon Mack situation. And do I think Marlon Mack is going to just go away and not get touches? No, I don't think so. But I, I do think as the season goes on, um, it's going to be somewhat of a Miles Sanders situation from last year where, yeah, Miles Sanders was kind of thrust in more based on injury. Um, but I do think it's going to come down to as once it's really crunch time and once you need to win those games, Taylor's going to be a premium back and you're going to be happy you have him. Um, and then having just having those – two or three running backs ahead of him, you don't have to rely on him in those first couple of weeks, which gives you the luxury of being able to take him and wait and not have to trust him. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree with what uh, JT was saying there. Just that, you know, if you follow the script, the running back, running back, if your third running back is Jonathan Taylor, you have the ability to wait a little bit, two, three weeks, however long it takes him to take that starting job. Um, like you said, they're going to uh, give go with the hot hand approach. I don't think it's going to take long for Jonathan Taylor to become that hot hand and just take the job. So maybe week three or week four, you're looking at having three bell cows right off the rip at the beginning of the season. So I agree. 
Absolutely. And again, the early season schedule too, he gets the Jaguars week one. It might not take more than a single week for him to get that hot hand and steamroll them. But if it did, the Vikings defense has been dismantled. And then you got a you know, awful Jets team week three. By week three, this guy is going to be the featured back. I mean, Marlon Mack, yeah, solid, but this guy could be generational type of talent. So I'm going to bet on that. That's the upside in my opinion. Um, we're going to move on to round five. We're going to have a little debate on Keenan Allen, but I want to make sure we get to all the rounds for you guys. Maybe at the end, you guys can let us know if you feel like it in the comments. Are you going to go in on Keenan Allen or not? JT, could you give us a quick summary? I mean, this guy was the wide receiver six in fantasy last year. Obviously, there's a quarterback switch. Should we be worried? Is it just going to be business as usual, even with Tyrod? What do you think, JT? I know you wrote about it for the site. Keenan, um, Keenan's been one of my favorite guys for a while in fantasy. I've had him three or four years in a row. Um, I, I am a little worried, to be honest. Um, I looked at Tyrod Taylor's history of what he produces receiver-wise. Um, he's only had one 1,000-yard receiver in his career that he supported, and it was Sammy Watkins, um, very different type of player than Keenan Allen. And then after Sammy Watkins, who just barely in 2015 had hit that 1,000-yard um, mark, there wasn't another receiver um, that topped 650 yards. Um, they, he loves to spread the ball around. Um, the whole MO in – I almost said San Diego. The whole MO in L.A. – now is going to be run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. That's what they want to do, whether it's with Tyrod, whether it's with Eckler. Um, they want to – Anthony Lynn wants to control the football. Um, he was visibly mad at Phillip Rivers towards the end of the year with some of the turnover. Um, and you could tell that he, he definitely did want to go towards somebody more like Tyrod that's going to take control of the ball, not turn it over. Um, and just play smart, fundamental football. Um, so I'm the way that affects Ty or the way that affects Keenan, in my opinion, is I do still think his volume is going to be heavy, and I do think he had 149 targets last year, um, and I, I don't think that's out of the question this year. I could I could totally see that again, which most people would jump at in the fourth or fifth round. Um, I just I don't see the upside. I think a lot of the I think a lot of the passes are going to be five six yard in routes or out routes. Um, I don't think the touchdown upside is there. Um, and I think the yardage is probably going to come down too. So I think in a PPR league that he's definitely, he's going to have a high floor in a PPR league. Um, but he's not somebody that I'm necessarily targeting. Um, he's more of a, well, I don't hate it type of pick. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I, I see all that. It does seem limited. They said all off season, they want to mimic the Ravens, which obviously good in real life controlling the clock, but it didn't lead to any really consistent wide receiver success over there. Um, in terms of the comments, Tunes got you on a like and share. Much appreciated. Gives us a good reminder. If anybody tuned in doesn't mind sharing it out or giving it a like, it helped us get discovered. It's a really great way to support us. It, it's huge. Um, your guys' outreach is huge. And we got him saying he is on and on Keenan and Williams. I think the Williams one's an interesting really? point. That seems to be more of that play action a big play. I could see Williams bouncing back, but again, uh, it's going to be interesting. How do these two receive, you know, the, the Tyrod and Keenan connection. I don't know if I'm going to be the one discovering if that works out this year, uh, because a lot of the guys we're about to talk about, we're going to dive into the round five ADP. I'd rather have over Keenan. Um, there's some really <laughs> great receivers falling right now to round five. So I'm going to pull this ADP back up. 
Um, we'll scroll down and starting at 48, that's right where the Keenan Allen is, but you got Parker, Darren Waller, Russell Wilson, David Johnson, Kyler Murray, DJ Chark, DK Metcalf, Woods, who we just talked about in round four. Wow. I mean, if he's falling around five, even better. Watson, Singletary, and Terry McLaurin. Um, and we have some names that we, you know, if you obviously it's not set in stone, it's going to be those 12. So a handful of others, like, uh, you know, you see T.Y. Hilton sometimes goes in five. Um, and, and we'll cover the round six guys in a second. So that last name on there, the last round six guy, Terry McLaurin, you, Kendall, have written about how you think this guy has top 10 wide receiver upside. Uh, give right. us the lowdown. Why could he be a top 10 upside receiver in 2020? Yeah, so if you read my article, then you already know uh, exactly how I feel about Terry, uh, Terry McLaurin. But – uh, for starters, just based off of uh, Terry's rookie season last year, um, Scott Barrett had tweeted uh, a stat a few months ago uh, back in December that Terry McLaurin had the second best rookie season of any receiver in the decade, um, only behind Odell Beckham Jr. Um, there were some other great names on that list like Keenan Allen um, that we just talked about. Um, so he's in some great company on that list right there. If he's the second best receiver, rookie receiver of the decade, then you know this man has – um, incredible talent. Um, he just missed uh, surpassing a thousand yards last year, or just surpassed a thousand yards. Um, he got banged up, missed a couple games, and didn't eclipse the 100 target count. Um, but this season, with the departure of Chris Thompson, um, Kelvin Harmon going down, I think it's just a guarantee that Terry's going to see well over 100 targets. Uh, additionally, you have um, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins should be improved this season with the uh, implementation of the Air Coyle, uh offense through Scott Turner, uh, the same offense his father, North Turner, ran. Um, and Ron Rivera's offenses in Carolina were amongst the top passing offenses in the league when he was uh, there. So if the passing volume goes up for uh, Washington as a whole, which last year I believe they were the fifth, uh, they had the fifth fewest passing attempts in the league. So if that goes up and they continue to play from behind, which they should, um, they're not projected to be such a uh, good team this year. Um, with those two things, and if Terry can take a jump himself, uh, not only everything around him in his favor, but also if he just gets a little bit better in his second season, um, I find it hard to see a scenario where Terry doesn't see, you know, 120 targets, 130 targets. Um, if he sees that same amount of targets, he'll have, well over a thousand yards, probably close to 12, 1300 yards. Um, and he was a touchdown monster last year. Um, he could get, he's the type of player who could have 10 touchdowns um, in 2020. So if all of these things, I know it's a lot of ifs, but if all of these things come together, the upside is uh, the sky's the limit for Terry McLaurin. So uh, I think he's well worth your shot in the back of the fifth round, it looks like right now. I think, totally. I mean, you're right. It's a lot of what ifs, but none of them are that like out of the world to accomplish either. Uh, you right. know, they were the fifth lowest in plays run in the last like 20 years. So even just like as a sheer offense, and then you look at the, the Panthers where Scott Turner's coming from, they were like, the first in pace and sixth in plays. There's so many stats that just support the offense as a whole 
just throwing more. And plus, maybe Alex right. Smith comes back at this point. I know you said Haskins takes a step forward, but we might even get Alex Smith, which would, I'd assume, be better than Haskins. Yeah. Who knows how that leg's going to be? So there's so much what ifs. Even if they go wrong, I mean, what could be worse than last year? And that's the price yeah, you're cool. paying for him right now is the same finish he had last year. So to me, you're, you're buying him at his floor, and mm-hmm. all these un, you know, not really unrealistic what ifs could pan out. So I'm fully with you. I love – uh, Terry McLaurin. I think it's a great pick. I think the fifth round's loaded because I also love your pick here, Tino. You love yeah. Devontae Parker. You don't think yeah. last year was a fluke. Give it to us. What is Devontae Parker's status in 2020? Yeah, I love Devontae Parker. I love him. Um, he's he's my guy that um, if somebody said, who's your guy, who do I have to draft? It's Devontae Parker. Um, I do Honestly, I love four or five of these round five guys, but Devontae Parker, he's one of those guys that I think he's going to give you the high floor where his his target share is locked in. Um, and the ceiling, you just saw the ceiling in weeks 8 through 16. He was the wide receiver two overall um, in weeks 8 through 16. Um, he got paid. He got paid very well, over $20 million guaranteed, four-year, $40 million deal um, from Flores and the new regime there. Um, and I think a lot of the knock – on Devontae Parker is where it's been for the past four years. Um, and simply, I think the answer is just Adam Gase. I think Adam Gase was, he's a talent suppressor. He's somebody that if you look mm-hmm. at Kenyon Drake, if you look at Ryan Tannehill, um, my Jets, I'm a huge Jets fan. You look at Lev Bell, which there's other factors going on with that, but um, he's somebody that um, he's allergic to talent. He's allergic to showcasing people's skill sets. <laughs> Um, and it's unfortunate, but um, another another thing I really like about Devontae Parker is you look at um, Chan Gailey. Gailey's coming in. He's a new offensive coordinator, um, and Gailey loves to throw the ball. He's very pass happy. Um, he's somebody that he's worked with Fitzpatrick, with which Fitzpatrick's coming in as the starter. Um, Fitzpatrick and Gailey are like Gase and Frank Gore. Um, they're guys that wherever they go, they go together, it seems. Um, and you look at Gailey's wide receiver ones. This was shocking to me. Um, I looked at this today. Um, Gailey's wide receiver ones when he was offensive coordinator with Fitzpatrick. Um, and 2010, 11, and 12, he was with the Bills with Fitzpatrick. And all three years, it was Steve Johnson. Um, in those three years, he averaged 141 targets, 80 catches, 1,040 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, and then you look the the amazing Brandon Marshall season from 2015. That was Fitzpatrick with Gailey as well. That was 173 targets, 109 catches, 1,500 yards, 14 touchdowns. Which I'm not saying that will happen with Devontae Parker. Um, view is crazy. Either um, I think most right. people are worried about. Yeah. Um, I, I could see, but he's recovering from a torn ACL. Um, there's no guarantee he's going to be back for week one. And even if he is back and fully healthy, um, there's plenty of passes to go around for the two of them. Alan Hearns opted out. Albert uh, Albert Wilson opted out. Um, they have Chester Rogers as their starting slot receiver, which is never a good sign. <laughs> um, they were seventh in pass attempts last year. They invested on the offensive line. Um, they, these guys, the, reg- the new regime there, Flores group, they, 
they didn't even let him get to the offseason without extending him. I think they know that he's he's a first-round talent who's taken 14th overall. I think they know what they have in him, and I think they're really going to utilize him. Um, and I think they're I think they're going to really they're really going to feed him the ball. Um, so I think he's a, he's the perfect wide receiver two type of guy. If you can get him there and have the upside um, like last year, I think he's high floor, high ceiling. So, a hundred percent. I mean, again, wide receiver two after Ryan Fitzpatrick took over last year behind only Michael Thomas from week six on. So we've seen the league winning. It wasn't against flukes either. Like he was mossing Stefan Gilmore at times. So there's definitely like, it just seemed like that light switch went on. I hope that is the case. We'll see. I mean, no Preston Williams. A lot of people bring that up. I think they can coexist kind of like Decker and B Marsh did. Uh, We should see about that. But the other point a lot of people bring up is, is Tua going to be a detriment if and when he takes over? Because we know Fitzmagic just uncorks it, whereas Tua might protect the ball a little more. You'd like to think the better quarterback would ultimately you know, be a better boon for someone's fantasy success, but it might not be just in terms of decision-making and letting him make plays. Either way, though, at a fifth-round price, like it's totally worth jumping in. I think both those guys are – Great. It sounds like you have convinced Toons he wasn't buying in on Devontae Parker, but you may have just talked him into it. So mm. solid points made. Uh, Terry Train is chugging. So people are liking what these guys are, are spitting. I'll take it. What's going on, Dr. J.K. Murray? Uh, K.J. Murray, rather. Kev, good to see you. And Jose, uh, longtime fan. Wolfpack, great to see you, Jose. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. I think those are all great choices. I have all those guys quite high as well. But we also saw Tyler Lockett and sometimes even DK Metcalf on this list. So the question becomes, if you're sitting there, which one do you target? I don't know if it has to become a question of which one, as long as it's just get one of them. But personally, if I'm, you know, gun to my head, I got to pick one of them. I'm going to go with Tyler Lockett. I mean, we've seen the chemistry him and have like Russ have. I don't know that there's a better combination in terms of just Russ putting it somewhere insane and Lockett making some ridiculous grab that you just don't see it. But these two are on another level when it comes to that. And in fact, over the first half of last year, before he suffered that that brutal leg injury that looked like it was going to shut him down for a while, ultimately played the next week. But before that, he was on pace for 304 fantasy points. Again, the number two fantasy receiver, if he had played out a full season at that pace, he was a top 24, you know, it's boom, bust, lock it right now. He's top 24 in 78 kind of those games, despite the small aerial pie, even though, it, you know, and that's the rub here too, right? Is like, it's a small aerial pie, it's so efficient that we're seeing these receivers get sustained. But what if, just what if, for the love of God, Pete Carroll wakes up and decides, let's just let Russ do his thing. Let's let Russ, Russ. In the top of the offseason, Russell Wilson keeps saying he wants to play every quarter like the fourth quarter. He averages almost eight fantasy points per third quarter. So extrapolate 29 points per game, the highest points per total ever, more than Lamar Jackson last year if you just had fourth quarter Russ. So let's say we actually get that and we're already seeing Lockett put up the number two wide receiver in fantasy pace in an inefficient offense, uh, if they just open this thing up, then I think it could sustain both. Guys. I think it will sustain both guys anyways, because they're so good. And because Russell Wilson's so good at their, they're, you're getting them at their floor because that low volume passing upsides baked in. But now if they do open it up even more, the ceiling's just astronomical. That's one of the narratives I just love to buy into is the Seahawks opening things up and mm-hmm. just letting it, we bet for Carson because of the touchdown chances that would spike up. 
So I'm all aboard that train. I hope that one, you know, not to cop out and say I'm not picking a Seahawks receiver. It would be Lockett if I had to pick one. I would be more than happy with either uh, based on the way they're priced, and I would take either of them over the other guys. As much as I love Parker, as much as I love McLaurin, those are the two guys I, I would go for either receiver first. Um, look at the production value from Wolfie, says India. I know, we're stepping up the game. we got to shout out StreamYard, a new platform we're using. They're doing a fantastic job. We'll, we'll obviously learn and get better with it, but I, I think we're going to be stepping up our game here, India. You've been uh, watching since I was, like, trapped in my mom's basement. And, and so, <laughs> yes, it's definitely coming a long way. Uh, so I'm glad you put in Ross and Lockett is a beautiful connection. Agree. Uh, Dr. KJ Murphy or Murray, sorry, not Murphy. Uh, great, great site, by the way. He shouted out all these great um, fancy upstart guys in the industry doing a great, great work for everybody. Um, and then tunes. Seattle likes to pepper. Uh, where did that go? Hold on. Tunes. Oops. It was just working. There we go. Seattle likes to pepper the tight ends. They're stacked there right now. Who would you guys buy into? I think it's a great point. They do love the red zone uh, tight end targets. We've seen Will Disley. Uh, he was like the tight end, I think, five before he went down last year. And, and that's Will Disley. We've seen you know Jimmy Graham catch 19 touchdowns. Now they sign Olsen. I do think it's a, a worthwhile thing to target, but it might be tough to ultimately – if they're constantly eating each other's cheese right now, I guess you got to go with the pure healthy guy, and that's Olsen. Um, and it is, again, if they open this offense up, then the tight ends will be that much more viable as is right now. I don't think there's too much value behind Lockett and, and, uh, and DK there because it's such a low volume attack, but it is worth pointing out the touchdowns that get scored there by tight ends. Um, do either of you, Kendall or JT have one of the guys you lean to, or are you just both kind of on the same boat that you just target the wide receivers as of right now? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely targeting Lockett. I'm not really targeting any of the uh, tight ends. But one thing I wanted to quickly, one little fact I have is that uh, so last year Lockett had 23 red zone targets, which was the most red zone targets in the NFL. So as much as the Seahawks like to target the tight ends, Lockett, although he's not a big statured guy, does see a lot of those red zone targets. Um, he caught 17 of those 23 targets and then turned seven, seven of those 17 targets into touchdowns. So that's kind of how Lockett gets super efficient. How he, I mean, he had one season where he only had 71 targets, but finished as a wide receiver top 20. So, and, and that's that's. I mean, we get that comment from James Anthony. It seems like that would be the case. Lockett between the the 20s and DK red zone, just based on their builds and like the typical usage you'd see from guys like that. But as Kendall just kind of pointed out to us, it's not really the case with these two guys, just because of that chemistry he has with. Um, with Russ and Lockett, just insane. Um, last guy I wanted to cover, Diggs in round five. I mean, this guy, out of the otherworldly route runner, a great receiver. Some guys like Matt Harmon, you see the jersey back there for Kendall. So we know what one side is going to be versus the other here. Uh, I have nothing against Diggs as a talent. I, the people that love Diggs, like Matt Harmon, calls him the best route runner in the game. Some of the, the best minds out there. Uh, but to me, I think he landed in the worst possible spot for his fantasy value. Sure, there was some good volume to go around. John Brown had more targets than Diggs last year as the number one. And John Brown did a solid job, a top 20 wide receiver finish. So I see all that. 
but I don't believe in Josh Allen. I mean, Diggs is one of the best deep ball receivers. He nailed it, led all these categories in pro football focuses, deep yardage, deep efficiency, catch rate, all that great stuff. So maybe he helps elevate Allen's game, but Allen on the flip end, rated among the, the bottom two in pretty much every deep passing category. So if all that, you know, value for digs comes in the deep ball, maybe it doesn't have to, but if all that happens, you know, in the deep game and you have a quarterback that just can't hit his receivers and all the reports in camp so far, he's, it's like, where is he throwing it at times? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's to me, I, the quarterback play is not where I wanted to see this guy go. Not the ideal setup for me. I'm avoiding him, especially with some of these other names that we've talked about. But, Kendall, you think you can make a case for the guy on your wall over there? Yeah, I mean, so Diggs isn't a guy that I'm reaching on in any uh, in any situation. I think Diggs is one of those guys where if you're sitting there and you're not sure which receiver you want to take, there's just a couple of them you're kind of, I don't know, indifferent on. I think Diggs is a good guy to target for the upside. I think the fact that we saw John Brown last year, like you said, John Brown had over 100 targets, finished inside the top 20. Uh, Stefan Diggs in his career has only finished outside the top 31 time, and that was his rookie season. And right now he's being drafted as the wide receiver 26. Um, he's had some pretty – his beginning of his career, he had some pretty bad quarterback play. Um, but I think that ultimately the volume, if he sees the volume, if he sees as many targets as John Brown did last year, you will be happy with – where he finishes in PPR formats, especially if he still manages to score six, seven touchdowns. Um, that is a big if because touchdowns are very um, unpredictable. But if Diggs can get the touchdowns and get as many targets as John Brown saw last year, I don't think Diggs will have a worse season than John Brown did last year, assuming Chill. Josh Allen doesn't take steps backwards. Which could very well Which happen. Could happen. <laughs> totally could happen. I personally go, I think John Brown, he's falling again to around like 10, 11. I think the scoring between those two is going to be pretty damn close. I think he's significantly undervalued, whereas Diggs might be priced about right. I just don't see the ceiling of some of these other guys, McLaurin, the the you know the Seahawks guys, Parker. Really? I, I wouldn't, you know, and I know you're not saying you'd pass on those guys for Diggs. No, but, but I think Diggs has me. a, I think Diggs can get, I mean, we saw two years ago, Diggs was the top 10. He's a top 10 receiver. Um, it's really, I think what it'll come down to ultimately is the Bills, um, if they're playing from ahead so often and they're running the ball and they're just not, they don't have enough volume passing, then you could see Diggs take a step back. But if they, if Diggs gets 100 targets, I think it's unlikely he doesn't finish as a top 24 receiver. It's a good point. If they, then they traded a lot for him. You can't imagine they're just going to not use him. We got Toon saying – I think Diggs makes that offense better, but not because of his stats, because of the attention he draws. And that that's, again, kind of kind of my John Brown argument. I, I think if he's getting number two corners, he already dominated last year some number one corners, and now you're going to give him the second best coverage. Uh, I, I think with that rapport already established, I like it. Although, you know, rather have Brown over Diggs in the later round, so Mike Clay agrees uh, with the take yeah. there. Um, so, and I think that that is fair as well. Let's jump into the round six ADP. Uh, this is the last full round we're going to dive into here. And then we'll look at a few seven and eight targets and talk about can you go any tight ends or QBs um, uh, in these middle rounds, or should we keep targeting these wide receivers we talk about? Uh, so you look through the middle rounds, we got, you know, that Diggs, Hilton, Montgomery, Swift, Hunter Henry, AJ Green, Allen, Akers, Higby, Breeze, Boyd, Gallup, Kareem Hunt, 
Landry, Ryan. So some interesting names here as we look through round you know, six ADP. Who is standing out to you, Tarantino, um, in that range? We'll start with you. The name is up, Hollywood Brown. <laughs> Why is yeah. it him? Yeah, I think Hollywood Brown, um, I think he's in line for a big increase in um, target share. I think you look the knock on the Ravens' offenses. They're dead last in passing attempts. Um, their offensive coordinator is Greg Roman, and he really, he's really he been run first his whole career. His teams are almost always bottom five in passing attempts. Um, and then you could also make the argument that Mark Andrews is really the true wide receiver one. Um, but my side of the coin, which is the side I would side on, is I think Hollywood Brown really showed flashes of what he can do. Um, he had 71 targets last year, 41 receptions, um, just under 600 yards and seven touchdowns. So not really what you're looking for in a sixth, seventh round guy. Um, but what I found interesting was if you take a look at the guys that were the prominent second year guys from last year. So the DJ Moore, DJ Chark, Cortland Sutton, um, Christian Kirk, Michael Gallup, Calvin Ridley, like those that core six guys that I would say Hollywood is in that parameter of um, higher drafted, um, prominent second year guys. If if you look at all of their target shares from year one to year two, they had they had an average of thirty seven targets um, increase. So if you apply that to Hollywood, I don't think he's going to get a full thirty seven more targets. But even if he gets twenty five more targets, that goes from seventy one targets all the way up to ninety six. Um, and Hollywood, similar to the A.J. Brown argument, I think he's so explosive and he's a guy that was drafted to really to be a stud, to be a focal point of an offense. Um, and I think they're really they're going to game plan that in. They're always they're, they're going to be a run first team and they're going to be a Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins centric team. Um, but they they're pretty light at wide receiver behind Hollywood. So I think when you have one of the most explosive offenses in the league, you're going to have a guy emerge. And I think that guy's Hollywood. So, I, I think it's a, a great pick. I think a lot of smart people like Graham Barfield recently labeling him the next Tyree kill in the way he generates separation and can run through an entire defense. I, obviously you're not attached to Pat Mahomes in a pass centric attack, but if you have those skills and you, you show those skills at 157 pounds and are now, 23 pounds heavier without a screw in your foot. And he was already yeah. separating at some pretty elite levels. Uh, to me, it just definitely seems like a natural step forward. As you said to you is run centric as that Greg Roman offense is. There have been four out of seven receivers to finish over a thousand yards. Uh, and, and nobody has the speed or separation ability. Plus Lamar Jackson just keeps coming out and saying more deep attacks, more deep attacks, but something we've been prioritizing all the reports in camp are saying it's just been a beautiful connection uh, that they are attacking deep even more often. So if this offense just blows up, and, and if the defense, I don't think it will take a step back, but if they did, we saw what happened in that Tennessee game when Lamar had just played back backyard ball, gets like 500 total yards of offense, almost 400 of it passing. Uh, and, yeah. you know, Marquise Brown was his go-to guy, seven catches, 126. I love it all. I, I think Marquise Brown, he's my pick as well. Um, that's the reason I'm going with you so deeply here is I love that one. Um, but then, you know, the, we saw a couple Bengals pop up there. Cincy wide receivers, Green, AJ, uh, and Tyler Boyd. You know, is this even a debate is kind of a question because before it was like, which of these guys do I target? Who should I go after? Kendall, is it, is it a debate in your mind still? Or what's what's your thoughts as camp, training camp is starting? 
Um, so for me, I was uh, pretty in on AJ Green. I like the prospect of the fact that the last time we saw him, he was on pace for almost fourteen hundred yards, about twelve touchdowns. Um, but with the recent news of the hamstring injury, uh, after battling back for a whole season just to come back healthy um, and then get hurt again, it really kind of puts me off of uh, AJ Green this year. I think that the fact that he just got banged up though in training camp may force him to slide another round, maybe two rounds. So if you're looking at AJ Green in the uh, eighth round, ninth round, if for some reason, you know, something comes out, it looks like he's healthy, he'll be okay. I would definitely take the shot then. But right now with the recent news, I think the sixth round is too early to take the shot on AJ Green. 100%. We're already seeing the injury. I waited on him all last year. I'm just, not, he's on my do not draft list just as like an asshole guy who ruined my season <laughs> last year. Where I just kept waiting for him and burning a bench spot. We all have yeah. those guys, so I won't touch him. I wasn't necessarily in on any of these guys because I wasn't sure how they'd respond. But with him being out and then all the reports coming out and saying, Boyd's been lighting up camp, the leader of the room as he has been the last few years, him and Burrow, immediate connection all over the intermediate range of the field. Like it just, that's the other benefit of him being out in terms of Boyd. You got that time to establish the rapport with the rookie quarterback without that, you know, who knows how him and, and Burrow and AJ green, if they're going to have time to get that full chemistry down, he's going to find his guy to rely on. And to me, it's, it's clearly going to emerge as Boyd. So this injury news, we haven't seen Boyd really you know, rise up despite the injury news to nearly as, as close as, what his value could be. I mean, he was a top mm -hmm. 15 guy the last couple seasons, and now he gets the best quarterback of his career. I don't know. I, I'm really excited for Tyler Boyd all of a sudden, even though I wasn't. Um, the other guy that I really like, and you know we got one more mid-round guy that Kendall's targeting too. I think Julian Edelman is as unsexy as it comes right now, but he's going as the wide receiver 32 in PPR leagues, not standard leagues, PPR leagues. It seems that in all forgotten 12 great seasons, the Patriots slot receiver has been on pace for 140 targets in a 24% share. Nine of the 12 were top 12 in PPR points per game. Only once out of 12 years has anyone been below wide receiver 20 in points per game. I, I just it's it's an offense that has historically peppered the slot. I get that Tom Brady's tendencies have to be a part of that. And Cam Newton comes in and it's a whole different playing style. It's going to be a different playbook, but I don't think they're going to overhaul it to the point that, you know, one of the better receivers, I think one of the most underrated receivers in the game uh, is going to just suddenly be forgotten and schemed out. And now it's just going to jump balls to Nikhil Harry all day. Give me a break. They're going to definitely scheme this thing. It's not like pro football focused targeting the slot. That's not going to matter here. It's going to be an offense that sets him up for better success. He hasn't had a weapon out of the slot like Julian Edelman. So we can't compare these two. I know the offense will be different, but they're not going to just stop scheming so much to the slot receiver. So if you can get a guy that could catch 100 balls in round six of your PPR leagues, to me, he's the perfect, like if we make sure to get like Jonathan Taylor round three, but we need a week to then, you know, make sure he's the guy. I'm going to start him week one against Jacksonville if I own Jonathan Taylor. Let's be real. But let's say <laughs> not like – he only gets 10 carries or something. We got to sit him for a little bit. Edelman and Kemp's early season schedule is a complete joke. And you know you're going to get five catches. You know you're going to get 60 yards. It's not like you, you need that huge ceiling for your flex to start while you're figuring out what JT can be. 
So ultimately, I love it. You know, I don't love to chase floor, but I think there's, there's ceiling and floor. We I mean, top 12 ceiling, nine out of 12 seasons, baked into a wide receiver 32 price. To me, it's unacceptable. I think he is getting way too disrespected as a player. Uh, Kendall, someone you think's getting disrespected is Michael Gallup, a guy I'm not in on. I'll openly admit it now. So I'd love to hear your case because nobody listening to me so far has heard why Gallup could be a good play. So sell my audience, sell everybody that's already heard me shit on Michael Gallup about why he could actually be undervalued this year. Yeah. So I think that Michael Gallup kind of his ADP kind of got hurt by the CD lamb draft pick. Um, I think that if the Cowboys would have went a different route there, you would have seen Michael Gallup picked somewhere in like the fourth round, maybe, um, maybe even the third round. I don't know, but probably around the fourth round guys. Um, he broke out last year in 14 games. He had over a thousand yards um, or over 1100 yards receiving. He was one of only three players to have over 1100 yards in 14 games last year. Um, he also has 166 targets. Uh, becoming available with the departures of Jason Wynn and Randall Cobb. So you got 166 more targets to go around. Um, I know they just brought in CD and I know there's the potential breakout of Blake Jarwin. Um, but if you could see 20, 30 more targets go to Michael Gallup's way next year, and he's looking at well over 130 targets, he's going to have another 1200 yard season, possibly break double digit touchdowns. Um, and also I don't think it's too far fetched. I might be one of the only people on this, but I think Gallup could even be thought of as the team's wide receiver one. Um, in 14 games, like I said, he only had seven less targets than Amari Cooper and only uh, 80 less receiving yards. So they basically had virtually had the exact same season, but he's costing you four or five rounds less. Um, they are both equally as inconsistent. So that's a little bit of the caveat when it comes to Michael Gallup. Uh, but I think Michael Gallup has a big breakout potential this year. Yeah. Let me, let me ask. Yeah. Yeah. I, what do you think about them spending that first round draft capital on CD bringing in CD land? Like, do you, is that something you worry about with the inconsistency, like adding a a third high skill receiver into the equation? Um, It worries me for the inconsistency a little bit, but I think if you're drafting here in this, you know, the back of the sixth round, the potential upside, you know, Gallup is going to be so much better than CD Lamb. Even in his rookie year, I don't see a situation if both of them play the whole season that CD gets more targets than Michael Gallup. Like I said, Michael Gallup almost had more targets than Amari Cooper last year. So I think that the CD Lamb pick was more of a blocking of the Eagles more than it was we really want CD Lamb. We really feel like we need him. Um, and once they solidified Amari Cooper, once they signed him and locked him down. Now they just have a three-headed attack. I think each one helps each other a little bit, but they also take away from each other a little bit. So, yeah. See, I, I'm a little bit disagreeing here. I, I get it. I get the production. To me, you know, they've come out and said CD Lamb was sixth on our draft board. That they've labeled him a potential alpha. I do think if Cooper goes down, he does have a sketchy history and you're getting a lot of agrees. A lot of people, as you've been talking, have been saying, I love Gallup. He's getting praise from the coaches. I'm in on Gallup big time. I still – I like taking the shot on CeeDee Lamb a couple rounds later just because I think he's maybe one of the best after-the-catch threats we've ever seen enter the league at this time. Like, he is just a beast. So even with a little bit less time, I mean, he's making flash plays in camp. He's going to play that Randall Cobb slot role, drawing potential number three corners. 
I, I can't imagine he just doesn't destroy them. And so it might be tricky. I mean, we all are kind of in agreement that Dak is just the clear number three quarterback. When you have all these weapons, you don't have to figure out which one blows up. I think we see Cooper play that, that kind of Devontae Parker, Jordy Nelson. I really like Cooper still. And then I think we see CD Lamb kind of light it up on the slot. To me, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Gallup fall to third. But as you point out, I mean, there is the chance he ascends to the number one and just takes another step forward and get that within this offense. If he becomes that Devontae, that Jordy, then he would be a steal in round six. So there is there is some upside. You've, you've sold me a little bit more. Um, Do you think there's any no chance CD- all three of them could finish in like the top 24? Kind of like how the Rams had the three-headed monster. If you're, you think there's any chance of something similar? Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely and they they've talked about getting all of them uh, to to get you know thousand yards. They've all said it's a goal of theirs, so it could happen. And if that's the case, I'm going to go for the cheapest guy. That's going to be right. uh, you know right. CD Lamb, and he's just such a special talent. So I I love his price a little more, but it, it is all great points here. Um, good to see uh, my guy Anthony first back. What's up, motherfucker? Very nice show <laughs> here, Anthony or Austin. Uh, great, great to come back here. Venison 2020. You never sent me that venison jerky, so I'm still pretty pissed about that. Uh, but thanks for tuning back in. Um, look at what look at what rookie did last year. CD has a good season, so yeah, I agree with you. I agree. Um, the lamb chops throwing out a breakout for Austin there. So yeah, I, I'm with you. And we saw a comment earlier from Tunes. I want to make sure I pull up here because it's actually what our next transition was. If if I'm looking for an RB, even if I drafted Chubb, maybe even if, especially if I draft Chubb, I'm going hunt a hundred percent. And that's what like the kind of next talking point we had up here was these rounds five through seven. Like what's kind of running backs are acceptable here. Um, if you were going to go a running back, I think you brought up the, the perfect one here, Tunes, is, is Hunt's the guy for me. You already saw Chubb get a concussion before the concussion for me, by the way. But now we've already seen him have a concussion. And just a great reminder to us all that if Chubb was to miss a week, uh, Hunt would be a top three running back, in my opinion. At worst, top five, because this zone blocking scheme, Dalvin Cook, we just saw thrive. Great receivers. Uh, receiving work to the backs as well. Hunt can do it all. And in the talk of campus, he's in vintage Kareem Hunt form as he's now taking all these one reps. To me, that could shorten this gap a little bit. We could see a closer time split. I love Chubb. I think Chubb's the best pair running back in the league as a runner. Uh, but Hunt's going to remain as involved as a receiver. He's re- attending receiver meetings. So maybe he gets himself a little bit of a joker role as the third receiver they've even t- t- uh, hinted at. So you get the, the ultimate handcuff with benefits, in my opinion. A lot of PPR upside to him as is. And then if something happens, you've got yourself a genuine bonafide, as this episode is called, league winner. That is what Hunt would be if and when Ch- – not when. Chubb's never missed a game. But if he were to go down, it, it would be a – ridiculous points bonanza for Hunt the rest of the year. Uh, what about you, Kendall? You had another guy you really like, and Mark Ingram, you're saying, in the mid-rounds, is a guy you're, you're kind of into. What's your case for him? Yeah, so for me, Mark Ingram's one of those guys where if you landed um, Jonathan Taylor, and if for some reason maybe he's your running back too, in this instance maybe he's not your RB3, but if you landed Jonathan Taylor and you're waiting a couple weeks for a guy – to burst on and really take that RB2 role on your team. Mark Ingram kind of fits that perfect value that you'd be getting a guy who you could flex any week, but also in the instance, you know, that Jonathan Taylor um, is taking a little bit longer to get ready. He's also good enough to be your RB2. Um, Going back to 2014, 
I'm looking at Mark Ingram's finishes. Um, in PPR, he's finished um, from 14 to 19 in order as 15, 11, 8, 6, 32, and 11. Um, and when he finishes 32, he only played 12 of the 16 games. So if you get a healthy Mark Ingram, pretty much no matter where he's getting drafted, you're getting a top 20 to 25 at worst, it looks like, running back. Um, he's going right now, what is he, the running back 23? So if you can get a top, even if he's not a league winner necessarily, he could be that bridge that you need um, in between while you're waiting on Jonathan Taylor, who might really be your league winner. Yeah, I think it's a good point. You you do need some buffer picks like that at times to balance out. Uh, if you, you go riskier, if you, especially if you have, let's say, Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor, you're going double rookies. Uh, but rookies are also the reason I'm a little bit down on Ingram because I love J.K. Dobbins. He's already said, I'm, I'm here to compete. I'm here to take the job. And he's going a couple rounds later. I, I do agree with you. Ingram's definitely going to start the season as the guy. He earned that right. He had a beastly season, 15 touchdowns last year. Uh, and, and it could be realistically just, you know, rinse and repeat. If that happens in round five, like he was last year, another steal this year. But Dobbins, to me, is too talented. Ingram now on the wrong side of 30, where we see a lot of running backs fall off the cliff. Yes, lighter tread than most of your 30-year-old running backs. But still, we've seen it happen. We've seen him miss time as, as early as last year. No Ravens running back has played a full 16 game since Ray Rice. So whether that matters to Ingram or not, history is not on his side. And if and when Dobbins gets some starts, I could see him never turning it back. That guy is a monster. Give me him. Give me both of those guys if the price is right. But give me Dobbins no matter what as like a round eight, nine guy that I can just sit on my bench and wait to see if he takes over. I'm all aboard the Dobbins train. Um, we got Mike. What's up, my man? Great stuff. Wolf and friends. I'm stuck in the nine spot this year. Full PR. Who should I be targeting? <laughs> Your comment's very long, Mike. We're all kind of peering over it now. Um, <laughs> who should I be targeting first among all the late round RBs? Ida Henry, Sanders, Mixon, Eckler, Chubb, Drake, Jacobs. <laughs> Thanks for listing them all for us, Mike. Much appreciated there. Uh, it's going back-to-back -back RBs a must here. One, I would say yes, especially yeah. because you're at that nine spot. You have the advantage of getting two of these guys, whereas no one else in your draft is going to have the, the shot at it guaranteed. I think you have to, and I think you have to start if he falls Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Already running with the ones and thriving in camp. Uh, uh, everything is saying they're throwing a ton at the rookies, uh, at, at the rookie at, right off the bat, and he's only been responding. Um, they're impressed with what they've seen. Obviously, without uh, your guy there, um, Damian, Damian Williams now, there's really no one for him to compete with. It's, it's basically his job to lose, and what a job it is. When you have Kareem, um, when you have Andy Reid calling plays, 80% of his running backs, he finishes top eight guys. It's just an insane hit rate, the way this guy throws to his running backs. Um, in a Pat Mahomes offense, nonetheless, we've never seen this gold of a setup. As good as his running backs have been in the past, this is an even better one because they're never going to come off the field. You're looking at 15, 20 touchdown upside. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I, I think it's realistic along with 60 catches. Clyde's my number four overall, actually, right now. So ultimately, if he falls to nine, it's a no-brainer. You have to go him and then clean up. I mean, I love all those guys, Henry, Sanders. They're all great. Eckler, whatever one falls to you, I would say have Chubb and Aaron Jones kind of the lowest and, and Josh Jacobs maybe a, a little step below some of these guys, especially with the concussion lately. But even still, you can't go wrong. You got to go horse, horse, Mike. Um, do you guys disagree at all? Is there anybody you'd consider over a horse in those early rounds? No, I think no. I think it's a no-brainer. 
I think yeah. when I think when you look at the receivers going in that position at that one-two turn, like I don't, I I really don't think there's that big of a difference between the one-two turn and the three-four turn. Yeah. Like I, I, but but the difference between the running backs is astronomical. Like it's a crazy difference. So I'd be, I think it's a no-brainer. Um, I think Hilaire is going to be a step above those guys. At least we, I mean, I think all three of us agree on that. That Hilaire's right would be that number one guy. Definitely. Um, I know me and Kendall disagree on it. My second, um, my second would probably be Austin Eckler. One based on the full PPR. Two based on I think he's just a really good talent. I think he's a better talent than people give him credit for. And I think going back to the the Keenan Allen argument, I think they're really going to focus on running that ball. And he might not be a 20 carry a game, 25 carry a game guy. Um, but I think, I think they realize what they have in a pass catching back. And I think they're going to utilize that. And yeah, the knock on him is Phillip rivers is one of the, one of the best check down guys in all of football. Um, yeah. But I, I think Anthony Lynn knows what he has in his back and he knows that Eckler's not a Melvin Gordon and he's not going to be running between the tackles 20, 25 times a game. And I think, I think he's going to want to spread it out. Um, and Tyrod Taylor has thrown to the, has thrown to the running backs in the past. Like, it's not like he doesn't do it. Um, mm. So I, my personal second pick would be Eckler, um, but I don't think I'd be in the majority in that. I think most other people would argue somebody else, which I could see. I could, yeah, I, I mean, if, if I was there, I'd probably I – mean, Clyde would be one, but I think I'd still have Derrick Henry too. I know he's not a PPR guy, but, I mean, he's going to lead the league in rushing again. Could have – he should have double-digit touchdowns again. So – um, I, I just think he might be, if you're looking there, the only other guy I would consider over him is Drake. Um, Drake and Jacobs. But other than that, I'm going Clyde, Henry, Drake, Jacob, or Jacobs, Drake. I like Drake up there too. Yeah. I, I, I mean, they're all great. I think they're all good options. But, yeah, if Clyde's there, you got to go him. And if it's not him, I think I agree with you. Kendall Henry would absolutely be my guy. And you got Deion Lewis gone, so maybe there is a sneaky little bit more receiving ups that he could inherit this year. With him gone, he, he's averaged over 10 yards per catch in his career. So if the big head, you know, steamroller gets ahead of steam, it could be deadly. He's sneaky great on screen. So, like, if he just gets 30 catches this year, 40 catches, right. it could make a world of difference. Um, I have a hard time between him and Hilaire, actually. I, I do go Hilaire, but especially in PPR. But if it yeah. was, is, you know, standard or a, a half, it gets even closer. And before we go into, you know, our seven and eight guys we're targeting, this is a great point by Mike Clay. You know, yes, you can get like insurance like Ingram in round six, or you could scoop up Jordan Howard, who I think has very real eight to 10 touchdown upside. Chan Gailey's offense, as good as it was for wide receiver ones, like you highlighted for Parker, JT, it's also been great for running backs, too. You've seen CJ Spiller have his best years. Fred Jackson was on pace for almost 2,000 yards and 15 touchdowns. Like there was, you know, mediocre talents that haven't really done anything anywhere else other than with Gailey do some big things under him. So if this offense does take that next step, yes, they've got, you know, Breed in there. It could be a little bit of a split. I like both Miami guys, though, as some nice, like, padding type of guys. You don't have to then invest a six-rounder. You can stay with those Marquise Browns, uh, those upside wide receivers, and, and instead of burning that spot on Ingram, Jordan Howard might offer something similar. And that sounds kind of crazy to say, but the fact that it's four rounds later does make him an interesting buffer. Um, but then the question is, Mike Clay, is like, well, if Antonio Gibson's sitting there, 
I don't think I'm passing up on him for like a Jordan That's Howard. Like, yeah, yeah, I feel just, like in the 10th round, I'm looking more hand, maybe handcuff territory where I'm looking for – I mean, Antonio Gibson's not necessarily handcuffed, but I would rather look for someone else that has a chance to take over completely as the starter in a good offense rather yeah. than Jordan Howard, who is the starter, but maybe in like a middling, possibly improved offense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm swinging for the fences in those rounds, even, yeah. if, I, even if I hit one of them. Um, that's, and I, but I do get like Mike, what Mike's saying there, um, like in a Jonathan Taylor type of situation, that's where to me it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's pull up the round seven to eight ADPs. Um, we're talking about some wide receivers we like over here. I'm going to get back to this screen. Um, so scrolling through, you know, you see some other names, Marquise Brown at 80. So he wasn't even in the the sixth round which is just ridiculous. Like he's got to be higher. It's Sony Michelle. Some of this stuff has to get like updated. It's again, fantasy pros. I can't imagine it's fully right. See our guy, Edelman full down, but we see some names, you know, Wolf Fuller. Um, I mean, I don't know how long we're going to have to scroll down. We talked about John Brown's upside there. Marvin Jones, 97. I mean, that's a joke. I, I don't oh. even know if we've seen Brandon Cook's 90. So those are some of the guys you can get, again, highlighting why you need to get those bell cows, why you can take a shot on Jay Taylor in round three because you have so many guys you can make up for it. I mean, the number one of Houston is going to be going in round seven and eight. The number one for Deshaun Watson, one of the best quarterbacks in the game right now, whether it ends up being Cooks or Fuller, we got to predict it right. I think you, JT, said you have a strong leaning towards one of them. Which one do you go? Yeah, I've I've been down the Will Fuller road one too many times. <laughs> um, it's you know, f fool me four times, shame on me. Like yeah. I'm, you know, and yeah. not that not that Cooks is um, like not that Cooks doesn't get hurt either. Um, but it's that I think it's it's a different level. Um, I think I think with with Cooks coming in, um. People want to lean towards Fuller, and people are saying that with COVID and with not being in the facility for a lot of time, like Fuller is going to be that guy. I I don't see it. I think I think number one Cooks is the more well-rounded receiver. Um, I think they both have deep they both have deep ball talent. They both can stretch the field, but I think Cooks is definitely the better guy underneath. Um, he's going to be the guy that they use to move the chains, in my opinion. DeAndre Hopkins leaving vacates 150 targets. Um, they really, besides Cooks, like that's that's who they brought in. Um, I think I don't think Fuller is cut out to have that heavy workload. Um, he's not cut out for that every down, you know, seven eight yard catch type of role. Um, where I think Cooks Cooks can do it all. Um, Cooks has been a thousand yard receiver on each team that he's played for. He was on the Saints thousand yards, Pats thousand yards, Rams thousand yards. And there's only been one guy ever to do it with four teams, and that was Brandon Marshall. Um, so I, I I like it. I like Cooks there. Um, Fuller has rubber band hamstrings. I I just, you know, it, it's going to be Cooks. You have Kenny Stills there, which Kenny Stills could be an annoyance at times. Um, but I think, I think the volume there that DeAndre Hopkins leaves, um, I think Cooks in that seventh, eighth round is vastly underpriced. 
I, I totally agree. And Deshaun Watson, pro football folks, is best in deep ball percentage completion, their adjusted stat there, like second in deep yardage, I think fourth in touchdowns. I mean, the guy has definitely can sling that deep rock. So one of those two will definitely pan out. I also am going to put my chips on Cooks, given that injury history for Fuller, despite Watson coming out and saying he thinks that Fuller is going to go and ball out this year. I, I need to see that one before I believe it. Too inconsistent for me. I love Brandon Cooks. Um, what I'm, about you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Gonna, what were you I'm, I'm willing to be wrong on Will Fowler. Like, there's just yeah, certain yeah. guys that, like, A.J. Green, like, I'm willing to be wrong. Like, if you – A.J. Green's a guy, Will Fowler's a guy. Like, if you're one of those people that's willing to take the risk on them, like, I'll put my hand up and say good for you. Like, I, It's just not something I personally want to do. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, I'm in on Cooks. I just think that the one issue you could have during the season is predictability of which one of these wide receivers is going to be the guy to get 100 yards and a touchdown in a game. I think that it's going to, you're going to have a hard time predicting whether it's going to be Cooks, Fuller, Cobb, or Stills on a given week, which guy's going to have that, that big game. So that's the one thing I will say. It might be tough, but I think that in the eighth round, ninth round, looks like where he's going. Uh, Cooks is the wide receiver one for a top five quarterback in the NFL, so I'm taking the shot. Totally. I mean, we're all three of us are in on Cooks. We all like it. I'm not worried about the injuries. Um, personally, the only other guy I love in this range, Marvin Jones. You look at his splits over the last 16 games. He and Stafford and Galladay have all played together. And him and Galladay are within like 10 fantasy points of each other, mm -hmm. uh, within a few targets between each other. It, it's the disparity between their prices right now. And yeah, sure, I'd rather have Galladay. But if I can also get Jones, who's really – I think that's kind of the common theme you said with a few of these answers is where there's guys that are very similar in terms of how they're going to produce but go four to five rounds later, you have to take advantage of that. And I think that is absolutely the case – for Marvin Jones falling around eight, sometimes even around nine, it looks like based on this ADP. It's so significantly undervalued. It just blows my mind. This offense aired it out when Stafford was healthy, probably one of the best quarterbacks in the game last year until he went down. I think he gets right back in on it. Same offensive coordinator. Uh, and Stafford's a reason why you know, this question pops up here. If going mid round QB, who would be acceptable? To me, it's no one. I don't think there's any excuse. We just laid out a ton of talent that is going to win leagues. I think at least half of those guys we laid out are, you know, incredible. They're all great picks, but I wouldn't be shocked to see, you know, half of these guys really pan out. So every shot you don't take at one of them is a, a, a fault on your team. And, and that's with some great QBs. I, I totally get some guys that are in there, but let's say you don't want to subscribe to that philosophy of waiting and getting, you know, Tannehill and Bridgewater or Drew Locke or Daniel Jones or a Cam Newton, a million of the good upside quarterbacks that are available just to prove the point. Carson Wentz around like there's a million. Don't don't take a mid-round quarterback. So I don't even know if this discussion is even worth having here. But if you were going to take a mid-round quarterback, if there was one guy you had to sink your teeth in, uh, who would it be for you, JT? For me, it's Russell Wilson. Um, definitely, I think. Russ, he's been he's very high floor. You know what you're getting with him. Um, he's top three quarterback for the last six seasons. Um, I don't think anybody else you're getting in these rounds is going to be able to say that. He, he's high floor. He's, like you said, like I'm not drafting Russell Wilson because 
I'm drafting a quarterback in the 12th, 13th, 14th round, just because there is, you know, you can, you can get a Teddy Bridgewater, DJ Moore stack and be completely happy with that. Um, but if it is, if you're somebody that doesn't like to stream quarterbacks, I would say Russ, um, the knock on them is that they don't pass enough. We talked about that with uh, DK and Lockett. Um, last year they were 13th in passing attempts and they were sixth in passing yards. Um, so they, that's, that's the common, I don't want to say misconception because I do think they could throw the ball more, um, but they do, they do chuck it around a good amount. And then he also gives you the rushing floor. Um, he was sixth in rushing yards, 342 yards last year. Um, so like I said, I'm not, I'm not touching them, but if you're somebody that is just like, I don't want to have to think about quarterback. Like that's your safe pick right there. My mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah, if we get Russ Russin, I mean, it's going to be a great value. He he definitely has. And I think the common theme we're going to ultimately deduce here is the only acceptable answer is a guy who could be number one quarterback if everything bends right. Russell could be. If they start uncorking the ball to Russell's strengths, he, he could be. What about you, Kendall? Who do you see as a guy that could be a number one quarterback, uh, number one overall quarterback in these mid-rounds? Yeah, I think the uh, the answer for me is Kyler Murray. So uh, I have Kyler as my fourth-ranked quarterback, just behind, obviously, uh, Mahomes and Lamar and then Dak. I have Kyler right there. Um, Kyler's actually being drafted a little bit behind Russell Wilson. So um, depending on your league, maybe you could get a little bit more value there if you wait an extra round on Kyler. Um, but last season, Kyler finished as the QB7. And for the first, uh, from weeks one through 11, he was the uh, QB5 on the year. Um, the issue came with Kyler's second half of the season. Um, from weeks 11 to the end, he was the QB20. So um, you could see Kyler had a little bit of inconsistencies in his uh, rookie season. But we know that they just got DeAndre Hopkins, which is obviously a huge plus for Kyler Murray. Um, it's the second season for Kenyon Drake, so another weapon that they utilize in the offense to be more acclimated. Um, they also put some draft capital into their offensive line, drafting Josh Jones um, in the second round. And then they also have their second year with Cliff Kingsbury as the head coach. So with all of those things coming together, um, it seems like a perfect storm kind of probably to break out. Um, there have been the comparisons, which I'm sure we've all heard, to Baker, which is, you know, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback out of Oklahoma. His team just traded for a superstar wide receiver. He was extremely overhyped in the preseason um, leading up to last year's draft. But I think the difference between Kyler and Baker is really just the rushing floor that you'll get with Kyler. You'll get a few extra points every week if you start Kyler over Baker um, just because he can run. And then he also has the ability to run in a couple touchdowns here and there. We didn't see that fully last year, but I think you'll see a little bit more of that this year. Um, So outside of Lamar and Mahomes, I think he is as good a shot as any to be the QB1. Yeah, that Konami code. I mean, there's so many. It's obviously how much more valuable a 60-yard rushing touchdown is the equivalent of like two 50-yard passing touchdowns. I mean, it's crazy. And he has the speed to break for those huge plays. Year two in the air raid system. I love that you pointed out. Uh, It's as Kingsbury has said that the just natural progression we saw Lamar take, Mahomes take. Like when you have a second year under your belt with added weaponry. It all lines up on the podcast. You know, if you guys haven't checked them out, ffbdpod.com. I, I have all these great, you know, Silva and all these great wolf guests on. And I run through the no huddle offense. And, and one of the questions is if there was going to be another Lamar or 
Patrick Mahomes, who could it be? And the most common answer by far was Kyler. Um, and, and I to- the, the upside's all there. Everybody loves what he could be. And I could totally see it. We were all in last year, and he didn't necessarily fail our expectations, but he wasn't that blow-up cheat code that ended up being Lamar. It totally could be Kyler this year. I will just mention, I think we all agreed to, above both of those guys would be Dak Prescott for me. He's kind of our clear number three guy. We're assuming he's gone if we're going to go one of those other two. But Dak could realistically throw for 5,000 yards and like 40 touchdowns with the weapons he has. It's the same exact offensive coordinator as last year. They bring in Mike McCarthy, but he retained Kellen Moore. They have that QB, you know, coach relationship there. I love Kellen Moore being retained. McCarthy's obviously no slouch with passing games either. Uh, so I, I love it. I think everything about this, plus you obviously add in C.D. Lamb to the guy that was the quarterback to last year, led the league in passing. Uh, I'm all about it. Or second behind only Jameis. Uh, yeah. Good I'm all Jameis. Yeah, good old Jameis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then I think this is a good one to bring up from Jeremy Taylor. Uh, It's a guy we didn't really talk about and I think could be a legitimate league winner in DJ Chark as well, especially based on what we've been hearing in camp. Um, I like Chark. I like that he's going to be playing that AJ Green role in that Jay Gruden offense. We obviously saw him last year. I mean, he was ridiculous for the early um, first 10 or so weeks. He had a little bit of a dinged up injury, but I think only six receivers had scored more fantasy points than him over the first 10 to 11 weeks. Uh, and now he, all the talk, he's making every touchdown catch in camp. He's a clear alpha. He's, he's making all the plays, any word out of Jaguars camp. I don't love attaching myself to too much of the Jaguars uh, and just offense in general. We know they're going to be one of the worst, but I do think, if Jay Gruden's offense is a hit with Minshew, it kind of fits into that West Coast, that, that pop gun arm. I like DJ Chark a lot. I, I certainly have him over like Diggs, who we talked about. Um, I still take a lot of the other guys. I know Kendall shouted out like McLaurin. I, Marquise Brown versus Chark's intriguing to me. But Chark has more, you know, they're gonna, the, the scripts will work in his favor. The more alpha kind of status could favor Chark. I don't know. Are you guys into Chark at all or – are you kind of passing on that Jags disgusting attack? Go ahead, Jack. I am. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I definitely am. Um, he's somebody that if you look at that that defense, it's weird to say Jacksonville is a terrible defense just with how good they were a couple of years ago. But like yeah. that that defense went from first to worst really quick. Um, so they're they're gonna be trailing. They're gonna be one of those teams that is in the running for, you know, a top 10 pick. They're going to be probably a top five pick, honestly. Um, they're going to be there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <Number one. laughs> yeah. We'll just keep going up. But they're, they're trail. And I think it's a lot, a lot of the reason that I like Devonte Parker too, um, is he's that alpha number one. Um, they, they seem, they seem surprisingly committed to Minshew down there. I'm, I'm a little surprised how committed they are. Um, but they like Lack him down there. What'd you say? Lack of other options. I mean, what else you got? Well, that's true. That's a, yeah. <laughs> um, but they're they're going to be down, and you're not going to come back in games by throwing it in, you know, Leonard Fournette's stomach and letting him run for five yards, four yards. Like, so they're they're going to have to throw the ball, and if they're throwing the ball, the majority of the time, that's their guy. Um, mm-hmm. So I I like it. I think he's a guy that you could be sitting there in the you know late third, early fourth quarter with four or five receptions. And then at the end of the game, you look and you're like, oh, he has, you know, eight receptions for 110 yards and a touchdown just because they're trying to come back. 
Um, yeah. So I'm I'm definitely a chart guy. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, agreed with all points. Garbage time can be a beautiful thing, and they're definitely going to have a lot of that in Jacksonville. Um, I love this question, Daniel. I didn't mean to skip this one, but which rookie running backs being overhyped like Henderson last year definitely was overhyped. I was in on Henderson too. To me, I think it's the same backfield. I think it's Cam Akers this year. Mm-hmm. I understand how much production came from Todd Gurley over the last three years. I get that McVay had a workhorse kind of tendency in the past. And then now he's looking and saying, what did this get me? It got me a dinged up back that I had to trade away. I just cut um, we, we see this huge deal. Didn't work out. And they keep talking all summer about how it's a committee. Henderson's taking first team reps. Malcolm Brown could take the, the goal line status. I get Akers has the talent to supersede them both. And if one of them was going to become a workhorse, it'd probably be Akers. He's used to playing behind bad offensive lines. I just, it's not a, I hate the line. I'm not targeting the run game. Cause I do think it's, you know, they're going to be committed to this disgusting three headed monster. Um, I, to me, I love the, the the other rookie running backs ahead of him too. It's Hilaire's going to be a beast. Taylor's going to eat. Dobbins will eventually get his chance. So then you're looking at that four or five range. And I mean, Swift has, I think, a better setup than Akers does um, as a great pass catcher and an explosive passing attack. So to me, it's Akers. Do either of you feel like you'd want to argue for Akers or is that kind of your pick too? That was my exact pick. I like Akers. Really? Yeah, let's hear. Yeah, I think I just think that where he'll be probably be drafted. I think that you'll probably get a value because around where people are drafting, around where Acres will be going, you'll see a lot of those receivers being taken off, um, off the board. And I think that the screen game, the passing game, Acres is probably going to be the running back of those three to probably get the the screen work. I just feel like he might have a hard time, I guess, pass blocking in the beginning, which could be the reason why he's left off. Uh, left off the field, but I, I like Akers. I think he's going to be able to take over that girly role. I think they want a workhorse back. I just think they want someone that's going to stay healthy. So I think I think Cam Akers can be that guy. I don't know how soon in the season. I don't know how long until he breaks out, but I think before the end of the year, he'll be the, the workhorse there. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on the flip side of that coin, personally. <laughs> I The way I see it, I think they're – I feel like it has running back by committee written all over it. Um, I think it's going to be something where there might be four, you know, three, four, five weeks where you're going to be, damn, I wish I started acres. I wish I had acres, but I think whether it's Brown or Henderson, like I, they were, or Henderson was a relatively high draft pick too. Like Mm -hmm. they're, they're committed to, no, I'm not going to say they're committed to Henderson, but I, I, I think it's something that, it's going to vary week to week. Um, it's going to be something like Wolf. You can you've seen the frustration of the Pats running game. Of you mm-hmm. never know who's going to go off that week. Um, it's just I, as a rule of thumb, I try to avoid running back by committees, um, and that's what I think it's going to be. Um, and also, you look at the you look at the ADP. I mean, he's sandwiched in between guys like you said, like Hollywood Browns, a couple picks after him. Um, you got Tyler Boyd right there. Um, and so, yeah, I just, for me, like I'm, I want no part of having a third of the Rams backfield, even if he might be the best of the three. Yeah. We're, we're in total agreement there. And, and that's again, just to keep reiterating, like this is why you go bell cow, bell cow, bell cow. So you don't have to be trying to pick out which of these middle round running backs 
that are stuck in committees? Is it Mostert? Is it is it Acres? You don't want to be sifting through them. If you want to take an upside stab on like Kareem Hunt because Nick Chubb goes down, you got a league winner. Okay, I can accept that running back stab. I'm not a fan of right. a guy behind the 31st ranked offensive line in football that could be splitting up three-way work. It's I, I don't get the, the hype there. Um, I, I truly don't. And so let me uh, quickly, the last thing, oh, we got a couple more comments. So I want to hit some of these too. We want to cover acceptable tight ends. We're getting almost at an hour and a half, so we're going to have to pop off shortly. I don't know if you guys got to get running. By, by all means, let me know. I don't want to okay. right. keep going. Yeah. All right, sweet. So we'll keep answering your questions then. Never mind. Uh, I'm, I'm here till whenever the questions stop. Um, and these are good ones too. You know, Raiders, uh, the 49ers backfield. I, I want to talk about all these. So Raiders receivers worth drafting in my opinion. Yes. I mean, Brian Edwards is going in the last round and he's getting first team work. He would have been a first round pick had he worked out of the combine. Uh, one of my favorite draft analysts came on our podcast for Sigma of the draft network and said, this guy is the 20, uh, 2020 Terry McLaurin, the guy that went after the first two rounds and then everyone's going to be like, why didn't we take this guy? Um, and all the all the reports since he came out and said that has been he's running with the first team. Derek you know, Derek Carr compares him to Devonta Adams, who he played with in college. So I, I think he's an absolute great steal. Ruggs is getting moved in the slot. He's got some great speed. Like I, I could see you know, it, it all hinges on Carr, which is never something you want out of your fantasy exactly. receivers. But, you know, it, Cars was playing on an MVP level just a couple seasons ago. So if it was just a matter of the weaponry, they certainly got the firepower now to keep up in these track meets that is going to be that division. So, yes, because the price, Jeremy, is cheap, especially on Brian Edwards and also that speed with rugs, you can get pretty cheap. I like them both. I'm not going to look at Aguilar. I'm not going to look at Tyrell Williams. And it could end up just being like four or five, Hunter Renfro, like – would be disgusting, just a, a gross committee of receivers. But for a last round stab, Brian Edwards is one of my favorite late round picks. Um, you guys agree, disagree with any of that? Anything to add? I agree. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it I think it speaks to the depth at receiver. Like yeah. that you can grab Edwards in the 15th, 16th round, that Ruggs, who was the first receiver off the board, is sitting there late round, like his show is why to go running back early. Again, 100%. Although one running back I, I absolutely love late. I wrote about this this week, Brian. If you haven't seen the article, uh, check out rotostreetjournal.com uh, because out of the Niners' backfield, I was so high on Mostert earlier. I labeled him the running back one no one's talking about, and I still think he's a fantastic like fit for what Shanahan wants to do, one of the best zone-blocking schemes we've ever seen, and I think Mostert's a, a gl- glide through it. He looked fantastic like a knife a hot knife through butter last year, just knifing through defenses. I love – there's nothing I like watching more than a well-executed zone-blocking scheme. I think Mostert will be good in that role, just like he was last year, but I also think him and Coleman are going to be just eating each other's cheese for those early down, those goal line touches. If we don't get a steady – like we know Mostert's getting 15 carries and we know he has the first stab at the goal line – I don't think either of those guys are going to end up being worth too much, but who I do love and who I wrote about this week is Derek McKinnon. I mean, going last out of all of them and seemingly is back into 2018 form when they signed him to like a, the second most expensive running or fourth most expensive running back contract in the league, obviously didn't look smart, 
But you, you look back and why did they do that? Why did they value him so much? Kyle Shanahan saying, I got lost in his tape. He's so versatile. We can move him all over. We'll get matchups with linebackers and safeties. He's going to destroy them. And and they're saying he's back to that form every day in camp. He's making like catches and Jimmy Garoppolo raving about how it's like a another receiver out there, the way he feels it. He's never seen that from a running back. And this is a guy that obviously is playing with some good pass catching backs over New England. Uh, I, there's just so much upside. The Athletic even said, could Jarek McKinnon be your deep threat now that we've lost Jay, you know, Jalen Hurd? There's just so many open targets. I think you're getting 60-plus receptions out of this guy in round 12-13. He's already paying off value there. But what if he is more talented than, than Mostert, than Coleman, and ultimately takes over the backfield role? Now you're looking at, like, the next Alvin Kamara-style upside. So to me, I, I, I'll take Mostert if he falls to, like, round 8 but I'm not leaving my draft without Jarek McKinnon in round like 12 or 13. I think he is one of the best bargains in fantasy football you can get right now. Um, it, it's just a, a no brainer. Why not take that stab when it, as long as he stays healthy, there's no way he catches under 40, 50 balls and has the upside for 70 and the upside to take over the backfield. That's what I make out of the backfield. Gentlemen, any uh, disagreements or, or contrasting views there? No. No, I agree. I think he could kind of play the uh, a similar role, to, a little bit less lesser to agree, lesser degree than Austin Eckler, but similar to Austin Eckler's role, where he's mostly just the pass catcher. Um, maybe steal a handful of carries here and there, depending on the game script or whatever the case may be. But I think for the most part, you're looking at a, just a receiving back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with you on McKinnon. Um, he's a guy that. Like I said, in, in those – I know this is a fourth or seven round show, but in those in those late rounds, I'm looking for guys like that that are going to be – if X happens, he's going to be a stud. He's going to be a guy that steals the league for you. Um, and I feel like that's – do I think it's a big possibility? Not necessarily. Um, but do I think it's possible? Yeah, I do. And I think it's worth like a 12th, 13th round stab for sure. So. 100%. Absolutely. I actually bumped McKinnon ahead of Coleman in my rankings this week. To me, Coleman's really? the most useless of them. I'm not going to have him on any of my teams. The number two <laughs> for early down work, like it makes no sense uh, to me. Giuseppe, what's going on? Great to see you. The team you sent me in my inbox this week was just like a – I got I wish I had a screenshot to pull up. It was disturbing, uh, the, the team you drafted this week. But asking Hayden Hurts in – Atlanta PPR. And I think that's a good segue too. We're going to cover like the acceptable TDs, but I'll keep your comment up here to first address Hurst. I love it. I, I think it's fantastic. Uh, we saw Austin Hooper. He was the number one tight end until he got hurt last year above Travis Kelsey, above George Kittle. And I think a lot of it is the scheme, a lot more about the scheme and a lot less about the actual player in Austin Hooper. Now you bring in Hayden Hurts into that same exact role. They go out and spend a second round pick to go and get him. Some high draft capital if you don't have big plans. Dirk Cutter says, I love tight ends. I love using them. And he needed to have his guy after losing Hooper. I think it's perfect because Hurst is a freak athlete. You know, Matt Ryan, Hurst was driving to go visit him from Florida to Atlanta over the summer. So they built that rapport. And Matt Ryan raved, this is the most athletic tight end I've ever played with. He's played with Tony Gonzalez. He's played with Austin Hooper. And he's saying Hurst has more speed than either of these guys. So, yeah, I think he fits exactly what, you know, Derek Carter likes to do with his tight ends, which is setting him down the field. We saw O.J. Howard go back-to-back season with over 16 yards of catch, which is unheard of for tight ends. And then he disappeared off the face of the earth when he didn't have 
dirt cutter. So I do think it's schematic, and I think Hurst really fits what they do well. And he's the reason why I don't think there's too many uh, acceptable tight ends in the middle rounds, just like we talked about with quarterbacks at a onesie position. I mean, two quarterback leagues are going to be different. Uh, if you had a tight end premium, of course it's different. But in general, I don't think there's any mid-round tight ends that I want to get instead of these receivers we've raved about or the upside stabs at running backs that we've talked about. There's none that truly are acceptable to me because of guys like Hurst. Or I wrote about this week in the articles on the site, late-round tight ends, Jonu Smith. Uh, that one kind of blew up. Check it out. I think Jonu Smith at tight end could st- stumble into some great late-round value. Um if I was going to make a case for any acceptable tight ends, I'll let you guys. I've been talking a while. Uh, do do Kendall or JT, do you guys have any guys you consider an acceptable mid-round tight end? I have one, but I'll let you guys go first. Uh, I don't, really. I don't. I'd rather wait, like you said, take the take Hurst. It feels like every year you take a shot on a mid-round tight end, and at the end of the year you're pretty disappointed. So I'd rather just be disappointed by taking my shot on the late-round tight end than waste yeah. away the chance at Hollywood or Gallup or any of those guys taking. Yeah. Yeah. If it was, I mean, I agree. Um, I'm probably not picking him at his ADP. Uh, I think Evan Ingram's a really good talent. I think Evan Ingram is somebody that Daniel Jones, if they're, if they're throwing the ball around, um, I think Ingram could be a red zone target. He could be a guy that he's really versatile in the passing game. Um, and I think for him, it's just staying on the field. Um, so I think his upside, he has top five tight end upside, even top three, really, if he can stay for a full season. Um, but that's far from a given that he's going to be able to do that. So I, aren't you drafting the – sorry, aren't you drafting Evan Ingram as the tight end five for tight end five upside? Like exactly. there's really not yeah. upside there. You kind of draft him where you hope he finishes. So it's 100%. almost like you're drafting him at a ceiling. No, I agree with you. I think you're paying. I think you're paying the price. I think he's the guy that is most likely to be filling out that top five. Um, but you're paying as if he is filling out that top five. Mm-hmm. Really, like it doesn't pay to take that risk because right. you know if he goes down with a hamstring in week four, like are you really surprised? I'm not. <laughs> like, so um, it yeah. makes sense. But I yeah. do. But I think he is the most likely. Um. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I like the Evan Ingram call. I was gonna say he's the only one I look at because of the freak athlete he is. I mean, I think he ran a faster forty than Odell. The, the guy is an absolute yeah. insane talent, and we've seen him when he's on the field produce at those like you're saying top five upside. I'm telling you, I really think he could outscore like even George Kittle if we get sixteen games wow. of Evan Ingram, and part of that is the natural ability. Uh, the guy, like I just said, an absolute freak. But he also plays in this Jason Garrett scheme. I don't want to over-rely on coaching narratives, but Jason Garrett only called plays for actually six years of his tenure there in in, uh, Dallas. And it was extremely pass-happy with Tony Romo, but it was especially pass-happy for Jason Witten. Look at these target totals for Witten. 141, 121, 124, 128, 117, 149. That was with T.O. on the team. That was with... Des Bryant on the team. Like they, they were targeting him even with these elite talents. And you look at Evan Ingram, and it's like, I like Slayton. I like Golden Tate. You know, Shepard's okay, but he could be their true number one and see like 140 something targets 
if he stays healthy. That's the huge if. We've seen him miss time in both seasons now. But to me, if you give Evan Ingram 130 targets and he's healthy for 16, then he could be a top three, top two, dare I say, even like the best tight end. He's got that type of athleticism. So to me, he's the only one I look like. If I'm sitting there in seven, I feel good about my three receivers. I feel good about my three horses. And Evan Ingram just kind of dribbling down around seven. And then I can take that stab. That's the one guy. And I, I'm going to do a whole show tomorrow. The, the wake and bake is going to be all about late round tight ends. So if you want late round tight ends and want to do it, tune in tomorrow morning. Uh, I'll be, I talk about my favorite tight ends, but <laughs> if I'm going to go mid round one, it's going to be Evan Ingram. Um, I think he has crazy upside for the athleticism and the potential target share. Uh, he could see. And that's, you know, Howland's asking like the same type of questions, like after Kittle, Kelsey Ertz. I mean, I'm assuming you're lumping Mark Andrews in there. And, and I love Andrews. Like, even if you, that's the one guy, like if Jonathan Taylor's not in round three, I can see myself pulling the trigger on Andrews and like straying from RB, 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 instead of going like Gurley or Fournette or guys I don't really like. Cause Andrews is already the talk of camp just as he was last year. Nobody can stay with him. No defensive back can stay with him. Hurst is gone. So he's going to run more routes, uh, which again, Hurst wasn't like a huge factor last year, but there's, so I forget who did a breakdown. It was fantastic about just how many routes he actually did end up taking away from Andrews. He, he wasn't an every down tight end Andrews because they were running Hurst to give him some time plays off. That's no longer going to be there. So you need to keep him on the field at all times. So, you know, that's the one guy because the receivers, again, so deep. That's why we talked about so many receivers. You can kind of go running back, running back, tight end, and then start loading up on your receivers if you're going to get a game changer like Mark Andrews. To me, other than that, Evan Ingram, as we just talked about, Howland, but I'm not looking to get any of these mid-rounds guys. Otherwise, you want to know the tight ends I want to go after, tune in tomorrow, all late-round guys. I'm going to give you some great ones to uh, to listen to. Tomorrow morning we'll be with you. Nice and early. Um, and that was the last we had covered uh, in terms of acceptable tight ends in the agenda. So we'll just hit whatever questions you guys have from here till whenever you boys got to leave and whatever the questions stop. Um, we talked about this one already. Chance on Jordan Howard. Yes, especially if I need some padding in my lineup, some floor built in. Um, the Chan Gailey offense has been kind to running backs in the past. I think there's definite some touch on upside. The thing is, Giuseppe, are you costing yourself a shot at Antonio Gibson, who apparently is like they, they said the quarterbacks have him on speed dial? How many times is he getting peppered in camp? Like, give me the freak four three nine, like two hundred and twenty six pound running back that's going to be dialed on speed dial because his quarterbacks love him so much. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll take a chance at Jordan Howard, but it depends who's there. And if Antonio Gibson's there, I will, no no that I won't. Um, what about you guys? Same, same idea. Yeah, yeah, same idea. Same very idea. If I knew very Yeah. I, I hate this question personally. How about the Patriots backfield? Cloudy there as well. Yeah, it's always hideous. It's every year. The only guy I would take is Damian Harris because he goes around like 14, 15. And Sony Michelle still is not practicing. Lamar Miller hasn't practiced despite bringing him in. So this could be like, I want to say it was 2016, where the last of the running backs to get drafted in fantasy drafts was LeGarrette Blunt. And then he ran for like 17 touchdowns. Maybe that happens with Damian Harris, that he he takes over. He's building the rapport with Cam. He's the every down grinder in camp, and the coaches respect that. And you just, they're like, let's run you out. I mean, he looked great in the preseason before going down. So if he's the guy entering the year, 
I think it's worth right now to take like around 15, 16 stab, not over McKinnon, take McKinnon first. But if he's sitting there, he's kind of a late round guy that I think could stumble his way into 10 touchdowns if everything bends right. So as JT, you cited, like I say, if X happens, what's the ceiling? To me, Damian Harris does have a sneaky high ceiling. Otherwise, I don't care about James White's four receptions a game. I don't care about Sony Michelle at all. Like I'm done with him. He's hideous. Probably not. You know, I'm not targeting Patriots backs. Do you guys have a Patriots back you're looking at? Like, what do you think? No, uh, Brian. Brian's actually in our league, so I think Brian should take all of them. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, Brian. Yeah. You definitely want to load up on those those Patriots backs. Then. <laughs> Don't even show the guy, Brian. Um, you know, I. Thanks for in. I'm surprised you're not. I was, I was surprised you're not getting more like shit from your league mates right here. That's what I was expecting. I, know. I thought, yeah, I thought Brian <laughs> was on by this point. Um, uh, but, but yeah, yeah. No, no on the Patriots' backs. Right? No, no, me neither. Um, fantasy tool belts. If you're still here, I don't know what exactly you're talking about. You start them each week, though. Uh, so right back in. Let us know who you're referring to. Uh, Mark Mar- Mario Fusco. That's been the whole show. So if you haven't tuned in, we're not going to uh, recap everything we talked about. Um, but but real fast, Jonathan Taylor is your round three guy. If he's somehow there in round four, then make sure you scoop him up. We love Kareem Hunt in terms of like a stash, especially, you know, it could be a usable handcuff. But if something happened to Chubb, he, you know, that, that'd be a steal. Mark Ingram maybe. But the, the, the case here is none of them are great. I do like, and a guy we haven't talked about, let me know if either of you have strong feelings is, is Ronald Jones. If I look at these mid round guys as like who might mm-hmm. be about now, I don't think he's going to be, but Vaughn is far behind. He came off the COVID list only recently, all the beat writers saying, cross him off your fantasy list. So you eliminate him and it's like, okay, so who's in his way? LaShawn McCoy, probably going to be the passing down work, which is, is definitely a dent, but this offense should be top seven. If he does have the early down work and goal line work to himself because Vaughn's that far behind, I don't hate Ronald Jones. He's like the last of the mid-round guys I want to talk about. I hate Montgomery. I want no no interest in him. None of us seem really? to love Cam Akers. The, the, the summary is, is don't work, rely on mid-round running backs and get running backs early. Um, but if you're forced to pick one to start, to me it might be Ronald Jones – um, I don't know. Is there a mid-round running back we haven't talked about that you guys are like, yeah, yeah, let's do it? Kendall seemed uh... – yeah, I was a little surprised that you're not on uh, David Montgomery. I just think – I mean, I think it's almost like the everyone was expecting more of him last year, right? And he had a decent season. What was he – I think he was like a running back 20 or 22 or something like that. Extreme yeah, like amount of volume. Give me the six most touches in the league, and you're going to give me a running back 25 performance? Like, no, thank you. He's horrible. There's nothing. Why but don't why you want he... the touches though? Wouldn't you rather have the touches than not? Like, if you're guaranteed the work out of David Montgomery, wouldn't you rather have that than the chance of Ronald Jones possibly taking over all the work? You no, know, there's really no one second in line. Seen, we've already seen what happens when he gets the work, and it's nothing special. It was his rookie year, though. It was well, his rookie season. You? There was plenty of hype around him before the start of the season. What's, Everyone what's was be all The offense – I love it. Yeah, JT is like <laughs> crossing the arms here. Uh, I get very impassioned about David Montgomery. He's like, what What could be better about him unless he just takes a big step forward himself? Now, that, I've seen that argument. Like, Melvin Gordon wasn't great. possible. Year. They took him 
So that, yeah. okay. If, if that happens, then maybe. But to me, we've already seen what he can do on 260 touches. And it's disgusting. It's nothing special. There was very few weeks you had David Montgomery in your lineup and we're like, yay. Thanks, David. Great performance. He, he's a he's an asshole. He was useless last year. He's going to be useless again. Now they're putting Corderell Patterson in the backfield just to make it more confusing. Nagy doesn't use his running backs like a consistent enough pattern for me to ever get excited about him. The line is the same exact line. They made no changes. So to me, your best case is you get the same amount of volume. So the only reason that would end up being better is because Montgomery himself just takes this huge leap. If it happens, then sure, he might be a little bit valuable. But otherwise, I don't see – like I'd rather hypotheticals see like, okay, maybe Jones gets 16 or, you know, 20 touches a game because we haven't seen it yet. I'd rather see what – you know, maybe that happens and what happens if it does. The unknown is way sexier to me than what we've already seen from David Montgomery. Wow. Um, so, you know, okay. yeah. a lot of people no. – a lot of good analysts out there like him too. Like it, it, you're not alone here. They, they, the bet on volume, volume is by far the most important metric in fantasy. So yeah, if he, you know, 250 touches and 250 touches cheap. I get it, but I've already seen what he can do with it. Like it, I don't, I don't want him to see it again. It was he burned me last year. That also it, it explains some of my anger. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, you felt so. you were too passionate for him not to have burned you personally. Yes, yeah, personal bone. And, and similar to that guy too, like another personal burn, David Johnson. Like, yeah, sure, the guy's gonna probably get 250 touches. He ran like get a fucking piano strapped to his back last year. Like, I, I you know, I don't know. No interest to me. What do you think, JT? You're shaking your head I, as well. I oh, oh my god. Just as I, I put him on, he, he cuts out. Um Am I can you hear me? Oh, yeah, there you I can, are. I, I can hear yeah. you. Yep, now you're back. All okay. right, gotcha. Yeah, I last year, Kendall can attest to it. I until I was blue in the face talking about how David Johnson was done. How it was and here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. And no, I and it's I don't know. I I get like the like he's kind of an argument for volume too. Like you look at David Johnson, like David Johnson's going to get volume. And like, he looked cooked. He was done when I saw him, like, just like you said, the piano strapped to his back. So like I, there's no chance in hell I'm putting David Johnson out there and starting him on my team. I'm not drafting him. Um, it, the David Montgomery argument. Um, I, I don't think he's a good back. I don't like I just from watching him and I I would say I lean like 70% on Wolf's side. Um I do I do think he's going to get the volume. Like I think I think that volume is going to be steady. Um right. and if the offense takes a little bit of a step forward, he might have some some positive touchdown regression. What he's yeah. I'll be honest, I don't have his number in front of me of how many touchdowns he had. But I'm going to I already had six rushing touchdowns. Six? As, yeah. yeah. Uh, by the offense, they take a step forward. Is is Foles like that exciting to you? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was. I just think he'll average more than three point six yards per carry. Like preseason last year, David Montgomery was the rookie running back everyone wanted. Yeah, I. I, I, I did too. And yeah. Now the post type sleeper, like he's the guy that I think everyone's sleeping on, but he could still perform if he gets two hundred fifty target touches again. I I mean, he's going to beat the running back twenty four. Is he not? What did he finish last year? 24. 
who, you really want that? Like, I'm not looking for a running back 24. I'm looking for the guy that could be top 10, like, changing my league. And I don't think you find any of those in the mid rounds. That's why I, I, you know, we keep preaching, you know, early round running backs, RB, RB, RB. You have to hammer them because uh, d- screw David. He's he's useless. <laughs> he, he's a bag of trash. He, unless, <laughs> there's there's nothing that's going to convince me. The offense isn't going to take a step forward. The line isn't going to take a step forward. He's not taking a step forward. Like there's, he's going to see 250 touches and he's going to do nothing with them. Like I, I have no interest. Um, we can revisit this. We can cut this clip up if I'm wrong and you can, you can do a little dance on me, but uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not buying that one. Uh, Daniel Howland, Judy or Sutton to me, I, I, I like Judy. I love what I'm seeing out of camp so far. It's as advertised. The guy's smooth route running, but but Sutton is already established. Like he's already shown I'm an alpha X. I can jump over two people and haul down touchdowns. So to me, I'm going the guy that's already there that's now going to benefit from, you know, at least another threat being on the field with him. I don't think that's going to hurt Sutton. I, I see a lot of these people down on Sutton and not believing it. Maybe because they don't believe in Locke, but I, I actually believe in Locke. I, I, lo- I want to root for him. I like the guy, and I think he is talented. He's got some some real confidence. And to me, Sutton's the guy. He's the number one there. Judy's going to come in. He's going to be a great number two, a great complimentary piece. But but Sutton, I think, gets slept on. He's another guy in that fourth-round range. We, we talked about you know Ridley, and we talked about um, A.J. Brown. It, it, I, I like those guys more. But I would not be shocked at all if come the end of the year, Sutton's better than all of them. And we're looking at him as like a top 24 pick. He goes back-to-back years. Last year was great, and he could totally build upon it. Um, do you guys disagree? Do you guys like Judy better? What do you think? I kind of disagree. Me too. Yeah. Um, yeah, me too. Not, I, I would take Sutton over Judy. I agree with that. Um, but they – I mean – it's kind of a kind of a crowded wide receiver room now, which I, I think Sutton Sutton's a very talented receiver, but adding Jerry Judy in there, like a lot of people had him as a top receiver in the class. Um, I'm not going to say I don't believe in Locke, but I'm I'm not sold. Um, I'm definitely stick. I'm not dying on either hill for him. I'm not saying he's the guy, not the guy. So I mean, it's it, it's something where. If I'm if I'm taking if I'm taking a late fourth round early fifth round receiver like I don't know that I want to take that chance that there's going to be they're going to be chucking it to Judy um, I think Sutton's number one there and I think he'll lead in targets and everything like that but I I do think like there's going to be games where you're going to go damn Jerry Judy had ten targets had nine targets um, so I would I I would lean more towards going Judy late. Even though I think Sutton's definitely the better that player, not value of player. Yeah, no, I think I, I definitely agree with that. I think this is kind of similar to your uh, Gallup argument, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you're just taking the rookie who is the highly touted, the highly touted guy coming in. You're taking him to take more targets away to be valuable enough later that you'd rather have him over the proven guy. But I think I would, I think I would also rather have Judy. Um, in whatever 10, 11, 12, wherever he's going right now, um, then I would rather have Sutton in like the fourth round. I, I was going to say the same exact thing. Like I, I get that narrative. To me, the difference is I think Sutton's the clear number one, whereas Gallup's the clear number two at best um, there. 
And if you guys think Judy could overtake him, then it totally makes sense to to move them. But I, I just think Sutton, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty high on this guy. I like what I saw. Um, I think he's gonna end up pulling it out there. Uh what time wake and pick tomorrow? Uh I mean, I'll be up at six a.m. probably doing that, but the show itself will be at <laughs> nine a.m. or so. Uh let's call it nine. You tell me, Mike, what time is works best for you? If you're gonna tune in, I, I can do nine, I could do ten. I probably have some stuff to do after 10 in terms of writing, but you tell me what you want between 9 and 10 a.m. and we'll do that. But let's say 9 a.m. unless you say that sucks for you. Um, what do you think about Nate Berry for a flex spot? You guys don't know Nate Berry. Uh, he's a horrendous athlete that should never be in a flex spot. I played high school football with him, and there's <laughs> no need to ever put Nate Berry into a flex spot unless you just want to tank and get the like first pick in your league. George Cass, a horrible, horrible fantasy recommendation. Uh, are you going with Thielen or Mark Andrews? I love that question because I, I know you guys, uh, we talked about this pre-show. Um, I love Thielen. I, I absolutely love Thielen. He's the guy that, like, you know, before these fourth-round receivers we all talked about, if he falls to round four, is like my my smash button. Um, you know, this you get digs out of there. So an even clearer path to the number one receiver. I like Justin Jefferson enough to take away defense, uh, but not enough to, to take the number one role like Diggs and, and Thielen kind of vied for all the time. And he's the guy that has that chemistry with, with Kirk Cousins. I mean, two back-to-back -back seasons, like the wide receiver four, wide receiver six until last year. And when he went down at the time, he was wide receiver eight uh, before getting hurt. So, I mean, and this isn't a guy that's had injury problems in the past. He was dominating. I think he comes back and dominates again. So, uh, but but over Mark Andrews, I guess that's the question here: is like, would you take him over that elite tight end style spot? What do you, What do you guys think? Are you going Thielen or are you going Andrews? I'm going with Thielen. Me I think too. Thielen has the shot to be uh, top five wide receiver. Definitely has an easy shot to be top twelve wide receiver. Um, where he's being drafted, you're, he's going to outperform that ADP. So I'm I'm taking Thielen there over Mark Andrews. Yeah, I and going back to the running back, running back start, like if you're going RB heavy to begin, like, yeah, you want that first guy you take to have upside, but you also want him to have a high floor, which is exactly what I feel like Thielen is. Like, you know, the volume's there. Like, there, I still use Jefferson, but I mean, he's not going to overtake Thielen. Like, there's no shot. So it's, it's going to be Thielen's going to be the wide receiver one. They're going to use him. I mean, you saw what, like, just like you said, well, like what Cousins has done with him the past two years. I don't see any reason why it gets worse. It should get better, if anything. Um, yeah. So I feel like he's like he's a very safe pick right there if you go running backs to start. So I, I would and, go with him personally. And we haven't even talked about too, like that defense could be horrendous this year. You yeah. know, like it, it could take. They've lost any really big name they had, and they already weren't great. So even though they want to be the run heaviest team in the league, they might have to start abandoning that script pretty early in games. Uh, and who's going to be there on those third downs, moving the change to keep them caught back? It's going to be Adam Thielen. Um, we've got a handful of questions left. If we hit two hours, I'm going to hang. The, we'll hang it up. I love answering as many as we can. Uh, bring in the wake and bake tomorrow. I don't want to keep you boys too long. It's already eight o'clock here. Uh, but we got Belichick said he would open, be open to using two QBs and that that's best for the team. Could you see it happening? No. I, it's just like coach speak to get defenses, whatever he's trying to gain. It's, it's going to be Cam. Be confident it's going to be Cam. Um, it, it's going to be him. 
OBJ question mark, Jeremy. Uh, not not diehard. I, I like the, a lot of the guys we talked about above him. I'd rather have Thielen. I'd rather have Allen Robinson in the same range he goes, DJ Moore. I'd rather even have those fourth-round guys we talked about in terms of Calvin Ridley, uh, A.J. Brown. Like I like those guys. I like the Seahawks guys more. Um, and I love OBJ forever because he, he was that rookie I picked up and I had a special place in my heart for him when he, he won me my league. But like, I just don't know if the volume is going to be there, uh, in a run heavy Kevin Stefanski attack. They, they were one of the only few teams last year, the Vikings to run more than they passed. And that's what they're going to try to do. And I think they're going to be able to do it quite well when you have Nick Chubb and you have Kareem Hunt, this offense is going to run through those backs and, and I think OBJ will have some nice big play action plays. He's going to be like a, a Diggs last year, but Diggs only saw 98 targets. And I don't know that OBJ can get above 100 when you got Landry and now Hooper and then all these running backs to compete with. It's just I don't think the pie is going to be there no matter how much I like the talent. So I'm not buying OBJ at his price. Do either of you like OBJ at his price? Not at all. No, not his price. But if he slides an extra round, right? If he, you're looking at one extra round plus his ADP, um, I'm all in. Would you take him over like McLaurin? I get like it. De- it depends, right? So it's what does my team look like? Um, what are my other receivers? If I need someone who I think, um, if I have someone a little steadier like Robert Woods, and I want someone to completely break the bank and just go ham, I would probably go Terry. But if I had someone like maybe A.J. Brown, who has that potential already to explode, maybe I would go Odell, who I view maybe a little bit safer than a guy like Terry, just given his years of experience. And is he, though? I mean, you got the years of experience, but Terry, to me, is like a, a much better bet for 120, 130 targets, even if he's not quite the talent of OBJ yet. Like, I don't know. I, I think I think the floor is actually with Terry – and the ceiling might be with OBJ if you like really? somehow open this offense up. But uh, yeah, I would, I would rather have. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Brian. <laughs> um, I would I would rather have Terry straight up. Um, I I'm also very low on OBJ compared to most other people. Um, I just I think it's a lot of its name value. To be honest with you, like I think mm. I think Landry is much more prominent than people give him credit for. Landry was a sneaky good last year. He was very yeah. he was consistent for for how bad of an mm. Landry was consistent. So I mean in in I don't really see what OBJ provides at that point. Like I don't it, he's going what do we have Matt? 31 on fantasy pros overall yeah. so wide receiver wide receiver 11. Like you have you have Thielen at wide receiver fourteen, you have AJ Brown at sixteen, Ridley at eighteen, like Woods at nineteen. I'd rather have all of those guys personally. Yeah, definitely, totally agreed. We got two more in here. Um, Taylor, and of course, your your buddy being nice, he's gonna take Sony in the first round. Good job, Brian. Well done. Uh, but bring bring some rage and anger the next time we do this too. I prefer. <laughs> you already saw my league mates talking about Nate Barry in the flex. We need more of that. Um, the first thing I did was I Googled that guy. I'm like, who the hell is that? Who's Nate Barry? Did you find the Beverly High School linebackers footage film? Of, of <laughs> Great highlight. Yes. 
Um, Daniel Holland, this one I, I can answer for us pretty oh, confidently. God. It's Taylor, no doubt above uh, DeAndre Swift. And that, I like Swift as a player, great pass catcher. Long-term ceiling is good, but Taylor is just an elite talent behind an elite line that just needs to get the hot hand, and I think he will much sooner than later. He's my third-round lock. So where a Swift I have is like a, a seventh round maybe. Taylor's like four. They're not even in the same conversation to me. It's Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I, I love this guy. And then Mike Clay says Dobbins the only back he's targeting in the mid-rounds, and I, I have no problem with that at all, um, especially especially because he goes a couple rounds later than Ingram. Give me that. If I'm having Dobbins on my team, it's because he's my RB4, RB5. I'm not starting him. And so I can let this guy kind of develop. Because even in a timeshare, I think he could be good enough. This offense is good enough to potentially have two backs with like 10 touchdowns. And I could see him get there eventually. Um, so, so yeah. I'm I kind of view him personally as kind of like Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Same level. In absolutely. In. But if the guy in front of him goes down, like, can you imagine having J.K. Dobbins down the stretch with Lamar Jackson? And then who's he? His Gus Edwards. And, like, I I think Dobbins is a guy where, like, if you view him as a handcuff, even, like, incredibly valuable. Like, he's going to be a top five, top seven running back with the best offense in football, second best offense in football, them the Chiefs. Yeah. Like, you know. So I like totally. Dom. 10 a.m. Mike Clay, book it. We'll be 10 a.m. live tomorrow. Wake and bake. Come come join us. Um, and Brian Butler wrapping us up here. He'll be on his game, padding the reputation. We appreciate you not tearing our uh, boys to shreds. I think they did a fantastic job for the first stream. So Kendall, JT, thanks so much, Tailback Tino and Kendall, for joining tonight. Uh, it was an absolute blast having you. We'll have to do this again yeah. soon, gentlemen. Thanks again. It was Definitely. fun. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Of course. Go um, Danny and- Montgomery. <laughs> Getting that last little word in there. Through <laughs> David Montgomery. Uh, ben, if you want more content about why he sucked or anything else at the <laughs> Roto Street Journal, uh, you can find our content at rotostreetjournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves. Also, check out the Fantasy Fullback Dive. We pave your path to 20. 20- 20 titles for as long as it lasts at least uh thanks again everybody that tuned in and next time if you're you're listening to the podcast and you want to get in on the live action we're streaming these pods now live on youtube facebook and periscope so whatever is your preferred platform find us there because it's that much more fun when we can have the interaction and we can all be live together uh but thanks either way wherever you tuned in until next time the wolf is out we used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.